mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, my fellow Westorians. Happy Monday, happy post-episode 9 day. As usual, we will be discussing the episode without spoilers. We do have a spoiler episode every week, as you may know by now. But if not, it's Saturday at 3. Last week, to help us out, we had Girls Gone Canon, and it went excellently. This coming week, we'll have Kim Renfro, and we expect that to go excellently, too. But a different kind of excellent. Make sure to watch our synopsis videos before each live stream. We got it up early this time. It was It's interesting because it's really hard to predict the length of the synopsis videos. Sometimes it's easy to synopsize. This one was relatively easy to synopsize, but I feel like we have more to say and discussion about it. That's just an interesting quirk about how the material presents itself, even though like half the cast isn't in. This is the first episode with half the cast missing. Like this is the only episode so far without Damon or Rhaenyra, not to mention their children. Yet it's probably going to be the one of the ones we have the most to say about. Is synopsize really a word? I don't think it is. <laughs> <laughs> it is now. But it I, now. you know, you got to make up things on the fly sometimes like words. And uh... <laughs> I've mentioned that a couple of times in the past that I feel like sometimes the amount of written notes I have can be very different than the amount of stuff I have to say. Like one little bullet point can launch into like two minutes of talking. Yeah, sometimes there's a ton of nuance and you can easily like summarize that without getting into the nuance. And sometimes the summary, there's so many things that you can't exclude from the summary. Anyway, I think that's probably why it was easier to summarize because there are fewer characters involved. There's no Damon and Rainier and all that. That may have helped. Anyway, uh, in addition to that, I want to thank our patrons who support us every episode. Thank you to Jeff Nally, the Long Snapper, History of Westeros' first sword. And Dragon Lord Eric, the Evening Shade, Lord of the Groves, and Defender of Stigai. Rider of Ixodes, Scapularis, the Bloodthirsty, a dragon with purple scales and wings, with a red underside, black horns, and green eyes. Sean, I'm going very basic today. I don't even have coffee, just a water. It is in a metal cup. I'm more basic than you, Aziz. You don't even have a drink, do you? I don't even have a drink. I forgot a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's the only way you could pop. I guess that's what you mean. <laughs> I'm actually, no, if I, I, I have thought sand. About I have a cup of sand in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> if I thought about it, coffee might have been good actually because it's brown. I was trying to mix green and red to make an ugly brown, which <laughs> is how I felt about this episode. <laughs> to be clear, I, I thought there was a lot of awesomeness in this episode. I shouldn't say it's more about the things that happened in this episode. Right, like ugly behavior, not like frustrating, yeah. Not like yes. bad TV or certainly not bad yeah, acting. Some of the yeah. best scenes and best writing. Yeah. Maybe a little frustrating with the details of action. Or sure, whatever, yeah. But. That's an old refrain for us and it won't be, yeah. won't be too different this time. <laughs> but there's not a lot of it. That's for, that's for sure. So in terms of action, last week, uh, we'll start with our three by three. Last week's Facebook poll, third place, Ewan Mitchell. That's Amond. Matt Smith, second place, 11%. First place, Long live the king. Patty Considine, 67%, which is way the highest we've seen. Now, some of y'all might be wondering, well, why not 100%? Why, like, who didn't vote for Patty? Well, that's because you can vote for more than one person. So, for example, my vote was split, I think, four ways, even though if I was able to 
rank those votes, I would have picked Patty first, but it doesn't work that way. So I picked four people. Patty would, is definitely first out of this four. So, yeah, he nailed it. But what it's worth, I only pick one person each time. Oh, yeah? I try okay. to discipline myself. Nice. Yeah? It yeah. is hard not to. Maybe we should, Maybe next time we should have a major and minor, you know, something like that. Maybe break it into categories. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll make plans for next season when the season's over sometime like that y'all can make suggestions as well uh, a good place to do that is on our facebook group where these polls happen but also discord where lots of discussions happen as well discord allows us to keep the, dis- the, the, the discussions a little more separated from each other facebook is obviously more of a, a scroll and, and find different threads kind of situation highlight performance let's start with that and then we'll do highlight plot scene and then highlight dragon bit uh, i'm gonna say olivia cook i mean it's kind of an easy choice it's you know she's so good but she really had a wide range of emotions and reactions this episode a wide range of 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 a you know she was in the episode the most she was in a ton of scenes like by far she appeared the most so it's partly a quality and quantity uh pick but i'm gonna give a nod to eve best and to tom glenn carney Aegon as well i thought they were really really good as well but uh so if we're doing a minor or, or sort of mid m- like supporting actors, I'd say Eve and Tom, and I'd give main cast Olivia, depending on what you call main and not main. Anyway, what do you think, Shea? Who was your pick? I'm going to say Ewan Mitchell as Eamon. Nice. I suppose. I mean, I, yeah, Olivia had more to do, but I, I want to switch it up a little bit. In the poll, I'll probably vote for Olivia and Ewan and Tom, the three of them, I okay, suppose. Nice. Uh yeah, I, I for no particular reason. I just he's just very captivating, magnetic. Uh, to uh, yeah, really just that. It doesn't always need to have a big description. Sometimes it just it just sits there. It just registers. You're like, yep, them. You know, uh, mm-hmm. it's like I Six smile every time you're on the screen, Eamon, So <laughs> you get my vote. Uh, what about well, you, Sean? We we did get another moment of him going. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, there were more than one. There were a couple. <laughs> really? Like there were. I think there oh, were really? like three. I caught yeah, one for yeah sure, because man. yeah, some of them are really like su- uh, subtle. But yeah, I think there were. I think there were three. <laughs> I, despite that, I still pick Olivia Cook. She had so several of my favorite moments the whole episode. A couple of which might be of the whole season for me. Nice. She was in or part of or the center of even. So I pick her for sure this episode. Awesome. Okay, so highlight plot scene. I think I'll say uh, Allison in council. One of the reasons I picked her was because of how dominant she was, which is we've seen it coming. Like she's been more and more in charge, especially after the big time jump. But just thinking back to how like demure and like nail biting she was (laughs) when she was younger Mm -hmm. to how she's like, one more word out of you and I'll tuck your tongue and send you to the wall. I was like, this is such a different person, but like, it's still the same person. You could still see that that's what, that she grew out of that other person. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Just fantastic. What? Just dominant. I wanted to make a quick note on that moment, by the way. I'm not sure she could have done that if Kristen Cole hadn't just stood up, could kill Beesbury and stood up to, to Westerling. Cause when I, I, for a moment, I thought when she said that, like, how is she going to send him to Oh, she's going to tell Kristen Cole. <laughs> Get this man Which out is of the a room. fantastic okay, point because was... it's like this whole yeah. one of the themes of this episode is where does power lie? And in that moment, mm-hmm. whether it's her authority alone is enough. Yeah, she also has Kristen Cole. <laughs> like her authority yeah. alone may have been enough, but to back just in case, she's got that dude. <laughs> and it's sort of a parallel. I remember thinking in Game of Thrones time period that Tywin and Cersei had the mountain. And that's just, you know. Whatever else is going on, the politics, the armies, or even dragons. But when you're in the same room, 
you have to face the mountain or the cold. Cersei was so different when she had him by her side. You're right. Like, that was a different mm-hmm. Cersei. Uh, wh- what about you, Ashea? Who was your pick here? Uh, it is definitely the scene with Alicent and Rhaenys was Ooh, my yeah. favorite. I'd say that's honestly one of my favorite scenes in all of House of the Dragon and all of Game of Thrones thus far, which mm. is funny to me because this is almost definitely my least favorite episode of the season so far but it had my favorite scene perhaps uh you know it gives it a little right on uh, sometimes it works out that way huh <laughs> sometimes yeah, yeah the I way just... rainies was staring like the stares she gave like her eyes were like whoa that seems just everything her. i wanted out of <laughs> like i wanted to see these conversations these women are having and what rainies would would say to allison so i was really really glad to have that yeah what about you sean what was your uh, highlight well, real quick, I want to follow up with the Shea's pick, too. I thought I had on that was, it, it, I don't know if parallel is the right word, but her conversation with Rhaenyra. Mm-hmm. She kind of saw a little more Rhaenyra and maybe sympathized with a little more. And then it happens with Allison too, but they're pitted against each other. It's an interesting fix that she's in. And uh, and maybe us, too, as an audience, like that these characters that both, I don't know, have have some legit points, but have some big flaws also. But, uh, you know, are the flaws worth being killed over i don't know um <laughs> I, I, I my instinct is also to pick the that whole scene i felt like that was in the, one of the most tense in the council room when there's sort of like time pressure yeah and, and sort of the realization that like lives are on a line time is of essence Otto's not letting them out of the room till they decide like even anyone in there might have been unsure or on the fence or might have been on beesbury's side well not anymore <laughs> except for allison she's the one person that can stand up to this but still realizes, you know, what's at stake and how much more planning's been done, how far behind she is, and what she's going to have to do. And it, it, I, I, there was so much more tension in that scene. With I was going to say, with no dragons and no swords. I guess there were swords. I guess there were it, swords, yeah. <laughs> the violence does add some some levity to to the situation. But I do want to point out my my other pick. Part Wait, of you mean I leverage, not levity, so right? Uh, well, I think levity, levity is being like seriousness, heaviness, is humor. Like, Okay, then not <laughs> <laughs> gravity, maybe. Gravity, uh, yeah. There you go. Nice. Sorry, I didn't. Started. I was an unnecessary correction, but I was like, wait, I'm confused. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that correction. Cool. It could be confusing. I had the wrong meaning for that word. But anyway, the other one was between um, Allison and her father Otto later on. Mm. Just that one yes. little eye roll that she gave. Yeah. That whole scene. Like, we're not hard to heart. Like, like, get out of my face. was so yeah. subtle and so good. Yeah. yeah, that was really good. We'll talk about more about it when we get to it. You're right. That was really powerful. I, I was also somewhat satisfying to see her tell her father off like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even if it doesn't necessarily amount to much, but we'll see. We'll see. To see him as he really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That needs to be done. Yes, it needed to be done. So highlight dragon moment. On one hand, this question is somewhat fizzled for us this season because there's been a lot of episodes where there's only one dragon moment. So we kind of have to like parse it into separate moments. I'm going to say the flameless roar portion of it where she, where Melis is just roaring like this is, this could be me baking you all. I could be incinerating all of you. And it's, it's, it's a real, exclamation point on what i think is the scene is logistical issues all over the place but symbolically it's amazing and that moment shows like kind of highlights what it could have been like we could have Mm. just incinerated everyone here but mm, i'm going to show you mercy you know my favorite 
was the dragon scale armor. Ooh, I put on yeah. screen. Rainey's had this gorgeous red armor, armor that cool. uh, was my favorite. Was just seeing the the clothes that someone wears, perhaps while riding a dragon into a situation like this. Fit for a queen who never was, or a red queen. <laughs> At least the red queen. Sean, what about you? I'm going to make a statement by not voting. <laughs> <laughs> Anti-dragon. Fair enough. Fair enough. We cannot make you vote. You can. You buy, Even if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. <laughs> Thank you, Neil Pert of Rush, for that line. Uh, themes and patterns. There's a lot of one-on-one conversations, particularly one person trying to sway the other to their side or try to convince them of something such as Viserys's confession. That was a big one that <laughs> Allison didn't convince like anyone of that. Even the people who were going along with her were like, eh, like the people who were already planning the secret plots. They were like, okay, yeah, that's great. He said that we were already going to do this. <laughs> so it, it did nothing except move her, I think, because anyone who was going to be moved by it, was already moved, and no one else believed her. <laughs> Even Aegon didn't believe it. <laughs> Even her own son was like, come on, Mom, that didn't happen. So, and he wasn't wrong, because it didn't exactly happen. He did say it, but it wasn't what he meant. She interpreted it wrong. Anyway, I'm getting off topic here. So, various points made in the council session. Aegon trying to convince Aemon to let him go. Aemon trying to convince Cole that he's more equipped to be king. Aegon and Alicent discussing Viserys on his deathbed, like what what I was just saying about what really happened there. Aemon talking to that brothel woman briefly and convincing what happened there. Allison and Rhaenys, right? The one we just discussed. Allison and Otto. Mazaria and Otto. Allison and Laris. Laris and Otto. Eric and Arik. Eric and Otto. <laughs> These are this um, incredible series of one-on-one conversations where... You may have like a three-way where Allison is having power. Not that type of three-way. <laughs> Allison holds power over Otto. Otto holds power over Laris. Laris holds power over Allison. <laughs> it's like, whoa, these, these triangles, these circles, these back and forth. It's amazing. Just an, an exercise in how power is wielded on the lowest scale to the highest scale, to cheering crowds, to Eric telling Otto... I can't keep up with the king. He uses his authority over me to escape my presence. Like, what am I supposed to do about that? And to Otto's credit, he's like, yeah, okay. What are you supposed to do about that? (laughs) (laughs) Another uh, theme being alone in a crowd, both literally and figuratively, right? Rhaenys is caught between two factions. She's kind of alone, kind of isolated. And then she's actually in a crowd, (laughs) like stuck in this crowd, but with one of the only people who knows what's going on. So is Eric. And they get separated. And Eric is also kind of isolated. He's feeling alone. He's like, I'm not going along with any of this. Time to, to get out of here. Aegon is alone in a crowd. He's, his mother doesn't love him, or at least won't admit it. She calls him an imbecile when he asks that question. And he was, <laughs> and it was kind of in response to him talking about how his father didn't love him either. So he's like, ouch. So he's got all these, you know, I, I don't feel sorry for the way he manifests his behavior, but like in a vacuum, that would be terrible to have neither of your parents like care about you very much. And all these orphans that are brought up in this episode, they're not named for the most part, but they're there. Uh, and then there's power versus the trappings of power. That's a big one. Real quick. Yeah. Aziz, another one. Uh, just you made me think of it when you were talking about Eric, uh, Harold Westerling. 
he suddenly oh. is kind of alone too. He kind of realized, you know, I'm not with anyone in this room, and they're not really with me. <laughs> the one person either, that we was going to leave this room was killed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're totally right. That's a great point. Harold Westerling is a great example of that. Um, yeah. So power versus the trappings of power, I think, is is my final point here. Where does power lie? It's like Varus's riddle. Um, the coronation, the Tar Targaryen symbols, the roaring crowd, the dragon seems to be like, yes, this is more powerful than all those things. But those other things are still power, even if the dragon kind of sits at the top of that power hierarchy. And even all those things were dependent on the, the I don't know, information and mercy of uh, of the uh, the white worm. Yeah, right? absolutely. Aegon wouldn't have even been there for that coronation if it wasn't for her actions. Absolutely. You're totally right. There's Even the most powerful people have others they're beholden to. A good example of that. Like, Mazaria doesn't have direct political power but she just showed influence over the king and the hand and made threats to do more and yeah big deal there the intro sequence changed for once the high towers were clear fitting time to do that you can actually see four bloodlines coming from allison on the in the wake of george r, r. martin and ryan condal both confirming that daron does exist the fourth child third son of Allison and Viserys is represented. He's got a little cup there, probably because he's the cupbearer to Hobart Hightower. <laughs> you got a sapphire to represent Aemon, a spider to represent Helena, uh, because Aemon has a sapphire in his eye, Sean. You may not know that, but under that patch, he's got a sapphire in his eye. The spider kind of... Does or will? Actually, I don't know. Yeah, unclear there may, uh, whether he does right now, but uh, for Helena's spider, it kind of looks like there's a dragon egg on her spider to me. Oh, yeah, it kind of does. Like that. That's neat. Yeah, that's cool. And then Aegon's got a nude woman with a crown. <laughs> <laughs> I like his emblem. Fitting. <laughs> I might not like him much, but I like that. This also confirms, you see the bloodline coming from Aegon, there's three grandchildren. We weren't sure if the third child was involved yet. That's Maelor. He already has twins with Helena, Jaehaerys, and Jaehaera. And we were also wondering if, if Jaehaerys' extra finger would be included in his character. And looky there, there is six fingers on that hand. So it looks like, yes, Jaehaerys has six fingers. Maybe Jaehaera, too. Maybe Jaehaera, too. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard her, to tell. That looks it's like on six her symbol, too. Yeah, it's on both of them, and hmm. it's unclear what Maelor's symbol is. That would be a change. I'm pretty sure in the book it's that just only Jaehaerys. one of them has it's it. It's just Jaehaerys. And Jaehaera has, you know... Has some, other things going yeah, on. His other has other... Uh, but not the fingers, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, the Send It Syndicate sends a super chat, says, Dark Sister or Blackfire? I so want Dark Sis. I talked to Peter, who made them in August. The swords are made to be fought with. Love them. Yeah, so Peter is the... One of the armors. One of the armors, I guess. But, yeah, um, that's cool. I would say Dark Sister just because I'm a, I'm a woman, so I'm a little bit smaller. So I need the smaller blade than, than Blackfire personally. And I, I do kind of like the, the, the design a little more. So I'll say Dark Sister. What do you think, Sean? Are you going to not vote for this one also? <laughs> you don't want a sword. Anti-sword, anti-dragon, <laughs> anti-fun. I, I want a shield. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. I'll go with Blackfire. Just, you know, I don't want to fight you over Dark Sister. So. <laughs> Somehow, so I'm the last the one dagger, to pick and Blackfire right? is, is, that, is that That's the answer. Is that Sean then holds the dagger, the cat's spot dagger, and you got Blackfire who have the three Targaryen blades of power. Yeah. Uh, perfect. I want a pin. <laughs> Good writing pin. A Valyrian steel pin. Hey, one of our patrons does have the Valyrian steel pen. Yes. <laughs> Smart. Uh, maybe maybe there actually might be two of those. There might be a quill also. Real quick, where'd you get that shirt, Aziz? 
We got it from the WB shop. It just released, obviously, right after that episode, and we were really hoping it would be here in time for our Viserys stream. It was not, but still fitting. So they actually, it's worth mentioning, we don't have an ad deal with them, but HBO does have new clothes and merch that they release every week. Every week in the WB shop or hottopic.com or a few other, like, box lunch. There's a few places where they're releasing new stuff. Like, they just released a shirt with um Aegon the Conqueror's crown that um Aegon 2 wears and so we're gonna I want to get that once they add maybe like another shirt but uh, we also got a model of Valyria shirt so that's cool nice oh awesome. a clash of clothes. yeah I wish I had mm-hmm. I switched my posters out I wish I had done it for the Viserys stream mm-hmm. also I got the Godfather poster mm-hmm. and Fear and Loathing and Lost Fear and Loathing and King's Landing <laughs> <laughs> It's a dragon country. <laughs> so it's fitting that my shirt says Long Live the King. This section that we'll start with is The King is Dead. Now, we find that out right away. Of course, we kind of already knew. It was pretty implied by the way the episode ended, but it starts pretty much right where it left off. This little kid runs around and, and tells Talia. So later in the episode, Laris is going to tell Allison that there's so many spies in her household that he doesn't know all their names. This young boy would be an example of that. He goes and tells Talia, and Talia goes and tells Allison. Presumably, this this young boy is telling her things that she also reports to Mazaria, which she does here as well. In Fire and Blood, the queen's household was ordered to prepare for the king's death. Like, they'd be ready for it. Just, you know, on the moment he died, their plan would kick into action. Obviously, that's not quite the same here. Uh, it's similar, because the Green Council has a plan, but Allison wasn't in on the plan this time. That's the difference. Uh, she's not for this advanced plotting stuff. She thinks it's uh, sketchy, to put it mildly. Though I suspect Mazaria and Talia were preparing for this because they had this prearranged signal of the candelabra in the window, which Mazaria clearly knew what that meant. We we had talked about this ahead of time. Like, I wonder how Mazaria's going to figure this out. Maybe just because their spies don't report all of a sudden that she figures it out. But they were ahead of the game with a prearranged signal. So that's pretty clever. And it was smart that they did that because almost right away, Talia was thrown into a jail cell to prevent word from spreading. But it didn't work. She had already spread the word. <laughs> and that, of course, is how Mazaria knows later when Otto, when she presents Otto with, hey, you know, condolences. And he's like, whoa, she's not supposed to know that. <laughs> and that knowledge slash power was key in in her negotiating at that moment right and i just i want to emphasize again the power of intelligence you know intelligence like as information you know the gathering and security and distribution of information is incredibly difficult to to overestimate Mm -hmm. uh, i agree with how powerful that is so so since though Allison hadn't made advanced preparation for this, as far as we can tell, she does move quickly. She orders discretion, doors are locked, all that other stuff. That boy was put in the jail cell too, and they lock Rainey's in as well. It was part of this. So Green Council session is called. They name him Viserys the Peaceful. That was kind of a cool nickname for him. That is not from the books. I do appreciate that nickname, though. It is kind of fitting. The history books could reflect that. That would be... A, you know, a well-chosen name. Yeah, they say it twice in the episode. They're yeah, they really, do. They're really trying to make it happen. During the coronation and here at the council, yeah. They, when they announce I don't have any uh, preconceived notions or expectations, so as far as I'm concerned, that's canon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right on. I appreciate how when the council st- starts, they get a little verbal, they get a little nonverbal pun 
let get let's get the ball rolling. You see, he rolled one of the balls rolled to the other end of the table. There, <laughs> they I love those little jokes. Rock the boat, tear a page out of her book, get the ball rolling. <laughs> I really appreciated the look at a uh, Tylen Lannister's uh, quorum ball, oh, his track yeah. ball, right? Because I don't know if you guys agree, but I think it looks like a lion's eye. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that slit meant, is meant to be an eye. A pupil or whatever. What's that? The iris? What, what part of the eye is that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. My but we get a nice, really. Cool. I think the pupil up. is in the iris. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we get a nice close up of it to start off this uh, council scene, and then obviously it's. Uh, I think it was. I think it was Joanna Robinson that we had on who said that she was theorizing that Beesbury would be killed with the with the with the quorum ball with the council ball, and he was. I was he picturing. Was. Kristen like picking it up and bashing him with it so this was very a little bit different <laughs> yeah yeah if someone wanted to try and defend Kristen Cole <laughs> it might have been an accident he might have just been slammed to his seat but he's stronger and heavier yeah, I, and it's an old I didn't, man it didn't look like he was trying to kill him but he yeah. also wasn't yeah. trying to be gentle with a 76 yeah. year old yeah. man and he didn't have any remorse over it either not not a, not even a little but no yeah yeah the, yeah, the christian cole neither did anyone else in that room as, yeah <laughs> yeah neither did anyone else in that room as far as i can tell so they're well, all he's dead <laughs> equally bad with christian cole yeah. <laughs> so yeah, before it's not so much that you're you're always a christian cole apologist it's that you are a hater on everyone else yeah it's more <laughs> like you're leveling the playing field yeah it, there you go that's it yeah <laughs> so that a ball can roll evenly across this playing field <laughs> like a <laughs> yeah. table <laughs> uh, so before Allison explodes with somewhat understandable outrage, even though it's also a little bit hypocritical, she does. She's sitting there fuming, kind of getting her thoughts together. Otto starts to rattle off part of their plan, which is like, we got two gold cloak captains who are still loyal to Damon. We got to replace those. We got Riverrun and Highgarden, our our quote unquote allies. We got to contact them right away. And then Thailand is like, all right, Storm's End. That's real important. There's four unmarried daughters. We got to interruption right so that all that's very important <laughs> but it doesn't actually get discussed Didn't they even have like plans for the treasury to how the, have the money divided in some way that couldn't be seized or whatever yes which is part of uh why beesbury was upset because they were planning without him and part of that was planning the treasury they planned yeah. tylen lannister's like all right we got one quarter do this we're sending this over here we're sending this over here he's the master of ships He's not the master coin, so they clearly just went around his authority. So that was part of the like underhanded. Yeah, that's a good catch because they they shouldn't have done that. That was uh, which which adds to Beesbury's frustration, suspicion, mm-hmm. and, and Alicent's also. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So so it didn't go as predicted though because Alicent they 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 didn't necessarily foresee Al- Alicent doing what she did, which is kind of ironic because Alicent's plan becomes look for a peaceable solution, look for a middle ground here. I'm not down for all these assassinations. My f- husband wouldn't have been either. Obviously, he's not down for murdering his own daughter. Like, hello. It was a great point to make. And, uh, but they figure Allison was just going to go along with it because what else, ch- what choice does she have? Which is kind of what Allison's relying on the blacks doing. Like, they're just going to have to go along with this. We're going to overwhelm them with how much military strength and power we have. And they're just going to give up. Just like Allison didn't go along with it. Think Rainier and Damon will either, no matter how much they over get overwhelmed with the odds they're faced. It's a never tell me the odds kind of situation. (laughs) There's that moment where 
I swear, Thailand and Jasper and like make eyes with Otto, and they're like, I thought you told us she was malleable and she could be controlled, and, like <laughs> like control this woman right now. And then Thailand is pretty slick; he's pretty sly when he's like, Why don't you tell us what to do? You're great, you know. He like that was uh, appeals to her right there, right there, and she just doesn't really know what to do. She kind of dissociates. She hasn't had a chance mm. to think of a plan yet. This is all happening so fast. Yeah. yeah. So she does eventually come up with a plan, but but in her silence, while she's thinking about something, she's composing herself and is like, okay, this is what we should do. Otto speaks up again, and he jumps into the silence and goes, Sir Westerling, uh, take your knights and go kill <laughs> Rainier and the prince and all that. And he's like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. So that didn't, so it didn't go as planned. Like they expected that order to be accepted and they expected Allison to not, throw all their plans into the blender uh so it just goes to show they did part of a lot of their planning wasn't wasn't so smooth <laughs> but at the same time it, it left allison with not a lot of wiggle room yeah allison's planning wasn't so smooth either no. and i'm gonna guess it neither is rainy's or rainier's or anyone's no one's planning is like a, right none of these people are experts you, at what they're doing i think you just yeah. have to be smoother <laughs> than the other people you don't have to actually be smooth <laughs> good point that's a very good point it's like that bear thing it's like i don't have to be fast i just have to be faster than you if we're both out running a bear yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're both out running a dragon here yeah so yeah so harold well let's give harold westerling the barest and sell me award or maybe sell me should have gotten the harold westerling award because yeah. this happened technically before in the timeline but in real in the real world this happened afterwards <laughs> so it's a bit similar as well to say renly trying to overwhelm stannis he's like look i've got 70 80,000 men with more coming you have what 5,000 that didn't work either <laughs> renly's like uh, stannis is like do you know me at all brother i'm i don't give like you we've known each other my our whole lives like i don't give up like <laughs> That's what they, they didn't what they say that about me. I break before I bend. Like he especially isn't going to give up his principles. Yeah. you know, like he might give up a battle or something. But yeah, and Stannis is the Lord of Dragonstone. Like the parallels are pretty pretty strong here, right? <laughs> I I gotta wonder. I don't know how this is going to play out, obviously, but I wonder if they could have overwhelmed <laughs> things enough for Rhaenyra to have back down, especially if Allison gives her good terms. If they believe it's genuine, if they really do feel they're completely outnumbered because it is a typical thing in the real world like when someone does have overwhelming forces people do you usually yeah. don't attack them yeah. like nine times out of ten not like mo not most like 51 percent, most like 99 percent. common sense does reveal it's kind of like in traffic like yeah accidents in traffic happen all the time but the the overwhelming sense most people have is they they don't want to die either they don't want to be in a wreck either that changes when someone's like drunk or in road rage, but yeah, like usually we all have the same attitude. None of us wants to hit any of the rest of us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stannis, the problem with the difference with Stannis was that, yeah, he's a, like Rhaenyra and Damon, it's known that they're pretty stubborn people. So this is part of a, an, a something that they've overlooked. What, but there's a bigger overlook here, which is that Stannis didn't have dragons. They didn't know Melisandre had all the secret power. They didn't know she was this weapon that could send a shadow baby. That was not in their calculus and fair. They, they, that's, they couldn't have seen that coming. However, yeah. Dragonstone, the name is the, implies the missing <laughs> element here. The dragons. There's lots of them. The big ones besides Vagar. So you can't just, they've got that in their corner and there's just no, there's no discounting that. It's almost like Otto is partly right. I don't mean ethically right. I mean, like, strategically right. He has the moral low ground, but the strategic high ground. It's like, yeah, you can't. 
half-ass a coup. <laughs> you gotta, you kind of have to go all the way, which is kind of why the pursuit of power can be inherently evil in the first place. The very nature of it yeah. causes correct to be evil, or to, correct and the, evil to overlap sometimes. Yeah, that that might be the correct way to to go about performing a coup, but you don't have to perform a coup. <laughs> you right, know? Like, you don't have to send your daughter be, to hook up with the king. <laughs> yeah. it, it would be one thing, too, if if this coup was to rid themselves of some tyrannical leader that was killing a bunch of innocent people, but it's just to make sure one person's there instead of another. Yeah. And in fact, the one person you're trying to make sure is there might become yeah. a tyrannical killer. Yeah, you know? he's red flags all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whew. Antoine Dennison super chats says, loved Rainey's till she killed all the small folk. Yep, that's a stain on her, no doubt. There is no getting around that. She uh to so some people there's getting around it. I mean, I'm saying for me there's for no me, getting around that. I mean, there's me, a lot okay. of characters here. Yeah. That doesn't mean I don't like her. You know, I mean she's a great character. I still. love Rainey's, but she killed a whole bunch of innocent people right there and declined to kill other people just because it would be a stain on her. I, yeah. Yeah. It I, was, it was yeah. not selfless. No. <laughs> but I also don't think that people can say that it goes against her character in the book because we don't know her character that well. I like, I, I really don't too. think that it is uh, uh, flies in the face of her character at all. I, I can see, I, you know, I don't know where the story's going or how different it is in Fire and Blood, but I can maybe see how someone could get around Rainey's having killed those innocent people. But I just expect people, th- those people who can get around that, can also get around what Kristen Cole's done. That's, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the hunt for Aegon. In again, making parallels to Game of Thrones, very early Game of Thrones, right after Robert's death, Renly tells Ned, whoever controls the king controls the kingdom. In this case, it's more like whoever controls the king controls the coronation, because they're not, this is more of a short term. It's like a microcosm of that. Allison's disgusted with her father and the secret council takes an, and in response to their initiative, takes the initiative on them, sending Kristen Cole using extra motivation. This is more slippery slope. We see all the various ways that Allison has given up parts of herself to do what she thinks is necessary. Here she's like, all the feelings you have for me as your queen, <laughs> like dot, 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 as your queen, I need you to put that in action now. And he's like, I will not fail you. And then, of course, that gets even deeper with that with Laris, but we'll come back to that in a minute. Eamon goes with... And it's a pretty good squad, those two together. They have some interesting conversations. Um, Helena, real quick, she repeats her beast beneath the boards prophecy, but also is like kind of doesn't want her mother to touch her, which was kind of interesting. She's needle pointing a spider. Um, look, she's not done yet. It only has like seven legs at this point, <laughs> but she's working on it. She's working on it. It's not done yet. And we see her twins. There's Jaharis and Jahari. It's hard to tell if they have extra fingers, but, you know, <laughs> they have their uh, their backs are to us and all that. It's kind of hard to see. There should, the baby isn't visible, but should be somewhere around there. Uh, can you see an extra finger there? Let me know if you can see an extra finger in there. It's hard to, it's hard to tell. Yeah. And, and Helena has this sort of cryptic, it's our nature to fight each other you know when one has something it's like she's talking about it's like a statement on jealousy and how people always fight for what other people have yeah i thought that was a really great line she says um 
Oh, damn it. I did, I did just have it here. Now she says, it is our fate, I think, to crave always what is given to another. If one possesses a thing, the other will take it away. And I took it as her talking about her kids maybe playing and fighting and all that. But obviously it applies to so many different conflicts and characters we see in yep. this series. <laughs> yeah, it is. That, that's a whole episode type of statement right there. We could build around that one. <laughs> Yeah, more on Helena later. Uh, so, yeah, Eamon and Cole, when they're out in the streets, they're talking about what's deserved versus what you have to fight for. Eamon's kind of funny. He's like, I studied history and philosophy. And he's like, yeah, those are good things. But <laughs> by itself, you know, you don't need to say the bar is low for you're better than your brother here. Yeah, we we get that. <laughs> yeah. And and Cole offers a little sympathy. He's like, yeah, I know what it's like to to toil for something others are just given. There's a lot of very eloquent lines here. Mm. Something about this, it, it's a little farther along, but you know, Amon's feeling that he should be the one, and and I, I'm probably not alone in that moment when you know he, he had bested Aegon in this, this scuffle, yeah. you know, and Aegon's like, look, man, I don't even want this. Just send me off on a ship, you know. I thought maybe Amon might even kill him, you know, and and you had this thought of like, you know, man, Amon might have been a better king. Like, how could this have gone? I'm, I'm, I sort of assumed that wasn't the direction it was going to go. And clearly, it, so far at least, it's not. But I realized Amon wouldn't even be the king if Aegon disappeared. If he got killed or shipped right. off, it would be Aegon's kids, yep. right? It still mm -hmm. wouldn't be Amon. So You're totally right. They would be next in line. He, he may effectively seize control. Yeah, he could be like the like regent might, or something like that. Yeah, yeah there's, all, there's all these positions of authority that could I mean, give him or, it's really like Aemon is closer to the throne than he's ever had been like he, yeah, he is a step yeah. closer to it so of course it's on his mind like he, he you know yeah. they're already usurping someone so what's the difference if you're going to start usurping people then what's the difference really yeah does he have it in him to kill those kids i don't know if that's too dark of a thought but that's, it's uh, not too dark it, of a question to ask in this setting i don't think yeah. <laughs> obviously we won't tell you but yeah, we, i mean we don't know really you know what his relationship is with his his uh nephews and his niece yeah, obviously he there's not a lot of love between him and Aegon, but there does seem to, you know, he does seem to care about Helena. Um, and so, and he also does seem to care about family in general. So I do think it would be a jump to just be like, oh, Aemond is, is, is just going to kill up like three young children that are his, his close, close relatives. Yeah. I haven't seen that yet. So one of the things that sparks this discussion is them knocking on the door at this one brothel. Aemond's like, hey, uh, you know, one of the reasons you need to bring me along is I have a better idea than you of where what kind of places Aegon might go to and that's like okay that's a good point and this is one of them like apparently Aemon had been brought to this exact brothel many years before the woman even remembers him it's not hard to forget a prince I mean that makes with sense with one like, eye yeah one eyed prince of course he wouldn't have yeah, he would have had the one eye back then. Yeah, of course he wasn't going there before he was ten. Yeah, yeah. yeah picture that basically <laughs> this was like, you know, yeah, it would have been, you know, closer to Leo Ashton than Ewan Mitchell age. If you're trying to picture the, yeah. the, the child that, like, I mean, they, they don't shy away from the fact that Amon doesn't seem to love that Aegon did this. No. Like, this isn't like a oh my big bro took me out. This was like a this is like sexual abuse that happened here that Aegon you know was party to it, really. Uh, but we'll talk about more of that in our spoilery stream when we talk about the, the implications for Aemond there. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
Not that it matters a whole lot, but I assumed that that woman probably took Amon's virginity. Yeah, that's, that's what I, I, that's what I took that from that too. Yeah. And then she's like, "Oh, damn, you grew up actually. Like, you were a little boy, and that was, this was like a terrible job I had to do. And now <laughs> you're kind of an attractive man. Weird, <laughs> yeah. uh, yep. weird scenario for sure. <laughs> yeah, very weird. He's like, uh, I'm a. He's like, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. He did <laughs> that one. Big, big double exclamation point on the hmm that time. Extra M on the end there. Usually it's two M's. This one was three. <laughs> uh, so yeah meanwhile Otto has sent Eric and Arik and while they're having a conversation as well while Eamon is trying to convince Cole that he's the better choice Eric is trying to convince Arik that Aegon is not a worthy king he's been seeing it for years and the evidence mounts as they're on their trek they go to this fighting pit which is just a super disgusting despicable place F- flea bottom Children are used like gladiator slaves. They have filed teeth. This is like Biter, which, by the way, is a sad clue that Mazaria's play doesn't work because mm. there's this still happens. This is still in place almost 200 years later. So clearly they if they do put a stop to it, it isn't a full stop to it or it comes back. So maybe it maybe it works for a little while. But, yeah, it's really disturbing of all. This is. I I don't understand why like the foot thing gets talked about more than this. This is so much more disturbing and worse. I guess it's just yeah. too unreal. The foot thing is real. Like that's yeah. not yeah. someone being a foot fetish isn't disturbing. It's disturbing on him. Yeah, the character like, who has context. it is disturbing. Yeah, the, the, the fetish itself isn't the disgusting part. It's, that's just a thing. That's just people are attracted to things. Yeah, it's like the power dynamics and the that element of it too with Laris and Allison yep. more so than yeah we'll get into it for sure yeah we'll, we'll come back we'll, to we'll that. get we'll into the that. foot stuff eventually yeah. now we're talking about the mouth stuff uh. <laughs> Eric Arik <laughs> children with filed teeth biter yeah so Arik is disgusted but he places his duty this is this is a classic Kingsguard argument. Like, what comes first? Your own personal honor? Upholding future Kingsguard? And, like, the institution of Kingsguard and they don't change sides. They don't do the thing. Versus, like, what's better? Like, the Knights at the Tower of Joy upheld Rx position. Whereas someone like Barristan Selmy or, say, I don't know, just pick your favorite Kingsguard that defected to the side that you thought was right. Uh-uh. And that's Eric's side, right? It, it's even a little more troubling here because just like Harold Westerling, you know, he maybe found a way to rationalize it in his mind. He's like, I don't know if there's an actual king right now. So like you people squabbling for power aren't going to be the ones to, to tell me what to do. He's pretty clever. But yeah. Eric's less aware of that. Yeah, he doesn't know. Right? He just knows the hand told him to go get the prince and he has less information to work on. And I got to tell you, I I had a hard time. I can't be the only one that had a hard time keeping up with Eric and Ari <laughs> this, this episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I even suspect they might have had named the subtitle wrong one time because I thought I'd figure it out. And then the subtitle was like, wait. We were I talking about that. that. I, I, sure. like, we figured, down even, I think like, the subtitle <laughs> was wrong one time, actually. Oh, okay, well. that does relieve me because I, I, I was so yeah. perplexed. Okay, uh, so it's Eric that walks away. Eric fights Cole. Eric walks away because he's done. He's like, I've had it. I'm not helping install this yeah. king. And next thing we know, he's helped free Rainies. So that's that's Eric. And he goes to Rainies. Yes. That's Eric with an yeah. E. Okay. Eric <laughs> with an A is for Allison because he stays with the green. That's a good way to remember that. That's a good way. Yeah. <laughs> good also, up mustache versus down mustache. Yeah. Up is the bad one and Eric, down is the good one. It's just Eric a natural down, association. Arc, oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And it, Wait, there's who are also you is bad? <laughs> uh, no, down kidding. mustache is good. <laughs> down, yeah. Yeah. And there's also the difference that yeah. um, if you're really trying to keep, if you can't get a look on their at their facial hair, um, they do have different cloaks on, as you can see. One is in kind mm-hmm. of a reddish brown, and one is in kind of a bluish with more stripes, as you can see. Uh, Arik is the red, yeah. and blue is Eric. So you know if that helps you at all, you know. But uh, I think the facial hair is really the best way. So in a in this swirl of people spying on each other, we have someone who spies the undercover Kingsguard and follows them to this brothel. This brothel is probably not the right word for it. Fighting yeah. pit. And her name is Jane. And she's one of Mazaria's agents. She leads them to Mazaria. And then Mazaria uh, talks to them and it, they go fetch Otto. And of course, Otto, we'll talk more about Otto and Mazaria's specific conversation later. But for now, we'll, we'll keep up the Aegon hunt. So... Aegon is in the sept, hiding under probably the same altar Allison and Rhaenyra prayed at so long ago when Emma died. The altar of the mother, it looked like. But bad luck for them. Cole and Aemon had stumbled on them, and it was another example of spy versus spy. They see what the spies are doing and get the jump on them. And, of course, Cole is a better fighter than Arik, so he wins. And Aemon is much better fighter than his brother, who's also drunk and half asleep so that was really no contest <laughs> and um to the victor goes the coronation arrangements with Aegon in her control Otto can't delay things he can't do his first we kill them and then we have a coronation so they can't find out what we're doing and her middle ground is her middle ground path begins to be walked here yeah I, I it didn't click in my mind at first but th- through the course of the episode I started realizing oh of course like the the first person to kind of have Aegon's ear is going to set the trajectory for this, right? They're, they're going to be the first one to influence his decisions, how it's going to be presented to the public, what message is going to be sent to Rhaenyra, et cetera, et cetera. It didn't occur to me immediately why they were both on this mission to get to Aegon first. But once it did cl- become clear to me, it seems so obvious. I feel like I should have realized it more quickly. You know? Think of it. Think thinking of Aegon as a vessel of power and not a person. It really explains a lot about his character because that's just how he's been yeah. treated his whole life. He is the conduit to power for the Greens. He he doesn't want to be that conduit, and he's acting out I was in some even, awful ways. But yeah, I was even thinking in terms of like, I mean, just think about how it is Aegon is ostensibly becoming king here, right? Someone came out of a room and said, "Hey, they told me." Like, and yeah. Allison's like, the king told me this is what he wants. So now, Aegon could just be in some room, and Otto or Allison could just come out and tell him, hey, the king said, go get Rhaenyra, or leave Rhaenyra alone, or call the banners of Hightower. Or, you know, they just get to say whatever they want to say Aegon said. And then someone has to challenge them. Are you challenging the word of the hand? You calling me a liar? Have them arrested. They just get to rule. They just get to be in charge. You know? mm-hmm. Well said. And that doesn't even count if they want to be honest and not manipulate things. They still get to tell Aegon what to go out and sell everyone. Yes, that's right. Or when to reveal to everyone that Viserys is dead. You know, just putting off or immediately having the coronation. All these things are like huge power plays in these first few moments that are going to have huge ripple effects as things go forward. And one thing they have not at all planned for, and we have yet to see is how the conduit will behave when the conduit becomes the king. He's no, he's not a piece. He's not a, a, a thing that can move around and do whatever he wants. Once he's been invested with this power, 
he can start doing things on his own. They no longer have the control over him that they mm-hmm. used to, and that's a huge wild card. And we've seen all the red flags around this person, so it doesn't look good. I mean, it you never know, but it doesn't look good. Like even Joffrey, that was uh, 14-ish, they still had a hard time keeping control. Like Ned yeah. got his head chopped off, yeah. right? Like so Aegon's a little older and becoming a little more aware of the power that he has. Yeah, he's and not and in his cetera, minority. Cetera. Yeah, he can, he, he can already yeah. make his own decisions. So let's talk about Otto and Allison having their conversation. It, Otto tries to kind of minimize. He's like, eh, well played. You know, you, you, you won this little thing. But don't forget, we're on the same side. We're of one heart. And he's like, she's like, we were never of one heart. <laughs> she totally throws it back in his face. That one was of the- one of those lines that was in a bunch of the trailers before the season that people had heard, you know, our hearts remain as one. Our hearts were never one. Yeah, yeah. And, and one of the best lines, me and Ashea both guessed you fist pumped when <laughs> when Allison said, a reluctance to murder is not weakness. <laughs> Did, were we right? That might be my favorite line of the whole show, yeah. like uh, Game of Thrones included. I, I was so happy she said that. Yeah. I, I've had that same thought over and over again. Whenever someone's expected to something, to do something brutal, dishonorable, deceitful, murderous, whatever it is, and people call them weak for not wanting to do that, I feel like it takes more strength oftentimes to do the right thing like allison is not being cowardly by making these moves and taking this stand she's being brave and strong and doing the right thing and and for Otto to call her weak for that yeah it's i was yeah i want to be on team green i want to support allison (laughs) but Otto's on team green too it's like dang it it's like if only she wasn't supporting this rapist king yeah exactly they're not team green they're team gray just like team black is also team gray Another thought I had earlier, by the way, that uh, I don't know is is key here. Otto is kind of making this point that, like, look, every king has made the sacrifice. You know, there's just your your personal life, or even the actual lives of other people, might have to be sacrificed for this greater good to maintain peace or to maintain your power or whatever it is. It's not like Allison isn't doing that. She freaking pulling her feet out for Laris. She yeah. kind of had Laris kill at least maybe a couple people. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like she is, she is reluctant to commit murder where Otto's like, well, it's unsavory. We just have to do it. She's still aghast at it, but she also realizes she quote unquote has to do it, which maybe makes her more hypocritical or maybe why people can get more upset with her. But I feel like she, at least on the surface wants to make moves to protect people and seems emotionally distraught when she doesn't. Whereas Otto and many other people were just cold, calculated, go murder them. Yep. You know, it's <laughs> like, like this is how it is. It's, you gotta kill. Pieces yeah. on a chessboard and not humans that have lives and emotions. You yeah, know? I totally agree with that. She does try think about that more even if she's not successful. But and this is like why I keep coming back to the concept of slippery slope and how the metaphors work so well because she's like she's standing on the slippery slope trying to find solid ground but she doesn't have any shoes and (laughs) and just it's like a mudslide there's like all these things happening that she can't possibly there is no solid ground here there's no solid ground in a mudslide like there's no moral high ground here there's maybe higher ground than than like her father definitely higher ground than him but still yeah uh there is no true high ground here so Another uh, on the other side, a really gross line <laughs> alongside the great line was him just kind of responding like his response to this is, you look like your mother. And you're like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah. that's what she rolls her eyes that, to. She's like, oh, yeah, 
That was. She's like, you can't play that card with me. Like, you're not gonna tug at my heart. You can't use my mom. No, no, it didn't work. I'm done with you. She just storms out. She's like, okay, this is how the coronation is gonna go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Blackfire, Dragon Pit, big crowd, strength of House Targaryen. See you later. (laughs) You know, that's it. Uh, Message to Rhaenyra. Message to Rhaenyra. Very important. You're right. That's you're right. A lot of what she rattled off is about what he wanted too, but he wanted it three days from now, not three hours from now or whatever. And he wanted it with not send terms to Rhaenyra, send soldiers to Rhaenyra. Yes. And they both forgot the importance of dragons, the symbol of Targaryen power. Yeah, Blackfire is a great symbol. Aegon the first crown going on Aegon the second's head. That's pretty symbolic. I do kind of agree with that choice over Viserys' crown. Putting it in the dragon pit. Makes sense. There's room for a lot of people. Should have had a dragon or two there. <laughs> yeah, it would have just made sense to have Sunfire there ready next to Aegon and and yeah. And honestly, that would have helped with my some of my quibbles with the episode where I maybe would have hated I would have disliked it less if it hadn't come to fighting because there was another dragon that kept Rainies from attacking because it would have been mm. met her death or something like that. We'll get well, into Well, that may have been ways. true. I don't know. I think, I think Sunfire is still really, really small. Yeah. But yeah. You're right. Still. But it's still more mm. of a, it's not just like, Oh, you could just torch them. It's like, well, you might, you might get messed up. Too, Sunfire Rainies, could have like, hit Rainies directly. Wouldn't yeah. have kill Maylis, but might have been able to kill her. Sun- Rainies. Yeah, exactly. So true. like it, it would have been a, a gamble. It would have been a risk and it would have showed like, look, this is like, dragon versus dragon battle is going to happen if we do this i don't know i really think that it would have been uh better if it hadn't just been mercy or whatever but yeah. we'll talk more i'll have it out with everyone <laughs> steve <laughs> sends a super chat and says the show is the facts the book is others pov i think it works that way for most of the plot lines and i think and i encourage you all to pick whatever works best for you this is supposed to be fun whatever version you like that's your version we have a lot of room to headcanon some of this unlike a song of Ice and fire gives us less room for headcanon Still plenty of room for her again, but I think this gives you guys us more did, room for that. You you interviewed George and and asked this question pretty pretty pointedly, mm-hmm. and he was very evasive. He's like, ah, what is canon anyway? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> I will, I will, but like, you try to give him the out that like this is a book that was written with unreliable narrators. And so, you know, there, there's a lot of play with how canon works and how the, the show may be like a fourth unreliable narrator. And he still wouldn't even give you no. that angle. <laughs> I, I really, I, I did take something important from that that I've said many times, which is that I just don't think there is a true canon for a lot of these things at all. George has not decided yeah. on yeah. it. And yeah, he could very well see something happen in, in House of the Dragon and be like, this is my new canon. And yeah, he could see something yeah. else happen and be like, I will never happen in my canon, you know. Yeah. But more realistically, he probably doesn't even think about it in those terms at all because it's not, he doesn't need to conf- c- commit. Yeah, what is he going to do? Rewrite Fire and Blood? Yeah, yeah exactly. Although there. he said that when he, when he, about the Viserys That's uh, true. It made him he want, said yeah. he made, it made me want to rewrite half a fire you know that's what literally what george said is not a blog <laughs> he did he did, he did so which points to the idea that he could see certain things happen in this show and be so inspired to, uh to modify his histories let's talk about the trouble with Aegon. not only does he not want to rule although as we'll talk about during the next coronation it looks like he starts to turn come around on the idea once he realizes the crowd is so into it and, it, and he feels better about it. But we'll come back to that his back i just want to say about that there's a difference between wanting to rule and wanting to have the power of a rule. Yes. Good, good, yeah. <laughs> good groundwork for that topic when we get there. Yeah. 
So he's got, but he's got bastards, which is a huge problem for a king. And there's just like, who knows how many are out there? It's implied that there's like, uh, our, Eric is like, I suspect there's a lot more. You know, he's like, because Eric is like, that's one of Eric, that's one of the kings. And he's like, I bet there's plenty more too. So, one and many, Eric is probably yeah. right. He's not exaggerating. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, this is pretty similar to what's in Fire and Blood about him going to these fighting pits and, and filed teeth and all that stuff. So, like many people, as we said, he's skeptical of his mother's confession, but he was kind of in awe of the dagger. I noticed that he was when she opens the, the case, he's like, Ma, you know, don't mess with me. Like that to him, like he had a little bit of reverence for the dagger, I think. But uh, but there's which I'm not really sure why. Maybe just because it's a, a symbol of royalty, another one of their important symbols of royalty. So that, that matters. Just, I think it was just I, I, I think it was less that it was a symbol of royalty, but more that it was a symbol of his father. Oh, to maybe. me, like that was like okay. so associated with his father. Like, oh, like you're telling me my father wanted me to king. Oh, my father gave me like his prize dagger. Mm. For he was me, transfixed. You know? yeah. Like, I, I think to me that that's what I took from it is that Aegon doesn't believe it, but he he wants, he wants to. to. He uh... wants to believe that his father did in his final moments believe in him, but he knows like it's laughable the concept of that. Yeah. I do like that. That that makes me swallow a little more easily too. That it was more about his personal relationship with his father, because how does he not believe it? They came and seized him and had a sword fight and put him in his carriage and are going to the coronation. What does it take to make him believe it? If that doesn't, <laughs> it's not that he doesn't believe he's going to be king. It's that he believes, or Alice is trying to get him to believe that your father really wanted you to. Yeah, and that somehow the he- symbol. That that dagger was a, evoked that it helps make know, him believe that that she's telling the truth or that her his yeah that, that that his dad really wanted that rather than what it looks like which is a coup yeah <laughs> he he can see that he's cynical <laughs> yeah and then obviously and right afterwards Aegon that's when Aegon says to Alice in the line we quoted earlier he's like do you love me and she's like you imbecile yeah it's like, you know, but she actually says it with like. <sighs> A little bit of softness to her voice where she was like, oh, this, this boy that I've birthed and like raised, like, I can't, like, this is what he's asking me, right? Like, it was a like, terrible thing. I'm not defending Allison, but when I rewatched it, I, I felt like there was a tiny softness, a tiny smile at the end of her phrase there. Yeah. I, I felt similar. The second time around, I, I feel like she must have been, had such a flood. Like, kind of like you said, like, this is what you're asking me in the middle of all this. But another part of me felt like she was saying, like, of course, I wouldn't be doing, I wouldn't be going through all this if I didn't love yes, you. Yes, but it's of course so I love you. You hypocritical. She just went through that yes, with Otto yes. where, he, where Otto's like, I made you queen. Isn't that what you have wanted? He's like, I don't know. Yeah. You told me what I wanted. Yeah. Exactly. Exact what I same exactly. Car- this is karma being passed yeah. down from one <laughs> child to the next. Yeah, totally. <laughs> really well done, though, right? Like, as far as the writing for yeah. that, like, it's just like, yeah, yeah, she doesn't even realize she's doing it. Like, she laments it's being done to her and doesn't even realize she's doing it to her own child. <sighs> Ugh, yeah. yeah, just like we've seen in several other, it's a, 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 a motif of the whole series. Yeah, you know? yeah. And then let's throw the prophecy into this. Okay, so Allison has some vague understanding that there's a prophecy. She doesn't know the wording. She doesn't know there's. It's written on the dagger. That she doesn't know that. Aegon <laughs> doesn't know either. He he. She didn't tell him about the prophecy. She just told him your father wanted you to be king. He said it on his deathbed. He did. She didn't add this mystical element to her message here she just brought up the deathbed wish without the context i don't think she really understands she the context. doesn't right. it was just gibberish to her you know so yeah, he, yeah. She, he talked about cold winds in the north and she's like i don't know what you're talking about but i get this egg on throne stuff that seems clear enough yeah. it's not prince it was promised it was. okay yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
that has all this extra meaning to us, but how do you think she would interpret a statement like that? It must be her son, yeah. So yeah, I think it's really huge that he's an abused abuser and that he's going to suddenly discover that, hey, the crowd loves me. Somebody likes me. And it's a whole lot of these people. And that becomes the people that, you know, that's what he, who he's going to want to please from now on, perhaps. Uh, Eamon and Allison, of course, have their little heart-to-heart briefly about, you know, going to hunt down Aegon. And, and uh, Eamon, she just, you could tell, like, she has a different demeanor towards him. Partly because he's not a... Yeah, a screw up. Yeah, he but hasn't. also he hasn't been this vessel of power for them. He's not. A, he's more of a person than an object, and like they all see Aegon as kind of an object. Mm-hmm. Where uh, Aemond is uh, more of a fully formed human. <laughs> yeah, no, Aemond is a mommy's uh, boy, right there, mommy's yeah. boy for sure. I would say, but yeah, you're you are right though that Aemond also hasn't uh, been raping women. So Alicent, you know, or is less likely to uh, hate on him, I suppose. Another parallel to Aemon, uh, to Damon and Viserys. Remember uh, Viserys saying, Mom liked you best. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. We have favoritism here, too. The details. You know, uh, another visual parallel, they had uh, Aemon sitting in that same chair that Damon was sitting at. Yeah. We actually and speculated that that beforehand that was somewhere else, but he was just kind of sitting mm. there, you know, by himself. <laughs> <laughs> I. I really appreciate, by the way, the cinematography of this episode, mm-hmm. that the opening sequence of just the, the empty rooms of the castle. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought yeah, that, was that was really me. good. The sort of this uh, calm before the storm. Uh, the, I don't know how to say it, but the it, it, it's 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 empty in the dead of night. But we know if those walls could speak mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. And the piano music was was really well yeah. done for that, too. And the darkness and it, yeah. Mom, Moments like that are visually beautiful, but also the effect they have in the audience is it kind of stirs thought and emotion. We, we yeah. kind of think about like what has happened there, what is going to happen there, why are they showing us these scenes? We, we kind of it builds a little tension with the the soft stillness building up to the intensity that's coming, et cetera, et cetera. It's really good filmmaking on a lot of levels. Well said, and I totally agree. Okay, let's hit our mid roll here. Here's a word from our sponsor, Nord VPN. On Saturday, I spoke about how flights can cost more based on the airlines targeting you and sniffing out your ID and your location, things like that. And they just jack up your flight prices. Another way this happens is with blackouts on certain TV shows. It's very common with sports, but not only sports. Whereas you live somewhere and you can't watch your local team. It's really ridiculous. And this happens with things, like I said, with things outside of sports. Turn on NordVPN. With two clicks, it hides your location, and they can't black you out. It's that simple. And this is this is a product that costs about the same as a cup of coffee per month. Like, you can watch one show, and that pays for itself right there. But you can get a lot more than that. A lot more than one show. Have you had this experience, Sean? You're kind of nodding like... <laughs> we haven't been able to watch Nuggets games in Denver for like four years. Wow. It's baffling to me right. that... the whoever's in control of that there's no way someone's not losing more money than they could be <laughs> by working out some new contract i don't know what the heck they're doing but i i wasn't aware of this but i guess it's a a workaround there is a very easy workaround. and it's totally legal vpns like i said on saturday as well vpns are legal in every country except china iraq 
uh, Belarus and and uh, Russia. <laughs> so there you go. Like, what do those four countries have in common? Yeah. So that says a lot. It's, it can be used on up to six devices with one account. And it works on every major platform: Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux. Mac OS. Yeah, that is Mac, it. That's even Mac it sounded OS. funny. I know that that is what it is, but it sounded <laughs> funny to hear. Yeah. Even your Android TV supports NordVPN. Get Someone- four months for free. And a big discount by signing up at NordVPN.com slash Thrones. NordVPN.com slash Thrones. It's also got a 30-day money-back guarantee. But at that price, I highly doubt you'll need to kick that in. Zenil Sunchaser says, The Braves aren't blacked out as these. They're just done for the season. <laughs> Sorry. Ouch, ouch. My ouch, Braves were just eliminated from the playoffs. They're a good example, though, because some teams have a region and that they're, it's not just like a state or the city. And the Braves region is like the entire Southwest or Southeast, rather. Like the Braves are the biggest baseball team in Alabama, Mississippi, South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, and North Florida. Cause now there's the Marlins in South Florida. But yeah, so like you can be, they're blacked out in like seven states. One VPN, one Nord VPN subscription gets you around that, whatever state you're in. Boom. All right. Let's move on. Great question from Karina Strick here. What do you think Allison had thought was going to happen when Viserys died for all these years? Like, what did she think was going to be the plan? Like, what was going to happen? Well, I I don't know if she thought about it a whole lot, honestly. I think in her mind, to her, the virtuous thing to do was not plan for it. It's wrong to plan for someone's death, which is kind of gross and rude or uncouth. I don't know. Maybe it should be done. Maybe it's different when you're talking about the king and there's an unclear succession. But that's kind of where I'm at with her. She just didn't think about it because she didn't think it was appropriate to. She'd say, we'll handle this when it happens. But I could be wrong. Either y'all have a different take on that? Yeah, not, not exactly. I mean, I did think about it a little bit that she shouldn't have been taken as off guard by this. And, uh, you know, early on, I felt... I, I don't know how to say a, a complaint I had. Not, it's not so much about the writing of the show, but faults of the characters that they aren't thinking ahead. That a lot of mistakes are being made either by them that they wouldn't have made if they planned better or by other people that if someone had planned better would have made up for some other person's mistake. Uh, not even bad moral decisions, right? Just errors, or if you will. And and it, it seemed like Allison, maybe more than most of the other people, was doing better at that, but she maybe got surpassed. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Otto's time away, or maybe as Vasaris' death is closing in, yeah. other people started to take it more seriously. Uh, maybe as more kids are born and more dragon riders are out there, that you know, maybe she just wasn't fully accounting for all that, and Otto realized he had to. Well, let me let me throw I, uh, one more point out here. That I think people may be forgetting, and I kind of forgot when I raised the question in the first place. Let, Allison had changed her mind. Remember, at the dinner with Viserys, she's like, you'll make a fine queen, which was a signal that she was going to go along with uh, a chosen succession until the deathbed but, whispering. Although she changed her mind for like, one night. Yeah. You know, not right, like- that was only 24 yeah. hours. So if she had been planning for the past few months, she could have just gone back to her plan after she but there was, But, uh, but there was no plan. But, but it is true that she right. had been telling her kids that they were going to be, you know, Aegon was going to be king, like... Aemon yeah. said, she's your queen to Helena, to, about Helena to Aemon or to Aegon before. So it's like, yeah, they've had it in their heads for a while. Maybe combined with some complacency, there's also some optimism 
that mm. maybe she thought there would end up being another council that temporarily Otto would take control and then they would figure out and Rhaenyra they would negotiate would again. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. She didn't she didn't think about the reality of the, the, the moments and hours and days immediately after Viserys dies and what was gonna happen in that time. And you know, I, I had even been thinking about you know this idea of possession being nine tenths of the law, both like for the throne, but also like who possesses Aegon, if you will. I, I didn't even think about that, but that became important too in those those next few moments. So I, I do feel like a lot of uh, the idea that Alicent or someone might have that that's you know bad bad taste to plan for someone's death, but it, you also it's it's it ends up being worse for everyone around to not plan for it, right. To not yeah. have funds set aside or like even in real life, not just like a King or something you really need when, when it's a King or something, you things like the flow of grain and taxes and clean water, all those things might get disrupted, right. The good of the people might disrupt it. If it's not clear who the leader is and who's responsible for different things and you really need to make it happen smoothly. And it's something you kind of, I don't know. I feel like I've realized through life that a lot of things that happen in a world, there's a lot of dirty backroom deals behind it, you know, to, mm. to make things happen the way they do. Like watching something like, I don't know, Veep or Succession really make you see the world a little differently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny, HBO has a lot of shows that deal with these power dynamics in very different yeah. ways. Comedic, yeah. serious, f- fantastic. Fantastic. Hey, mm-hmm. Jinx. <laughs> yeah, you know, I would say here, it's one of those things where I don't really think that it was a right. I, I don't think it was a writing flaw for Allison to be this way or for her to not be really prepared or any of that. I think it's a character flaw. I think it's her, her being willfully blind and burying her head in the sand. The same thing she was saying Viserys was doing that she did yeah, too, but also just she's too. really busy. Like mm-hmm. she's, she's like thinking about all the things that Allison does every day when Viserys was alive, like the amount of time she had to spend helping to take care of him and all of her kids and running the around like i i i I, it's easy for me to imagine certain things just slipping by and it looked like he was gonna die just never did just kind of maybe they get into a sense of complacency like this dude just keeps living it's it's, (laughs) kind of easy to get he's not having a very clear succession plan or even again we brought it up on our saturday stream the idea of viserys abdicating or him at least sitting down and like calling Rhaenyra back like there's a lot of ways this could have gone better um, yeah. like that could have been done better and, and maybe been more smooth and it goes back to the same sort of denial we said that Renly had for Stannis and that Allison herself had about the acceptance you know the thing that she was saying to Otto so these this level of de- denial about what's really going to happen or about how bad it's going to be is not only common in this world but just common in the real world. Like we're all in denial yeah. about a lot of things, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, uh, a couple, uh, a couple thoughts in the same way. We know we had the stream where we talked about just Viserys and a, a big piece of that is like things he could have, should have done differently and other people also. Um, and, you know, I thought that he should have had Renera on the council. He should have had her there learning and speaking and playing a role and being a part of it. If he wants people to accept her, you know, like that start that process sooner. Right. Um, but uh, you could say the same Valicent. Mm. Maybe she should have had Aegon there on the council, listening and learning to uh, what's going yeah, on. Right? Keep him off the streets, keep him out of the away from the alcohol, give him some real responsibility. Very good point. She could have, <laughs> you know, if she really had this plan or intention and knew that he was going to be trouble anyway, she didn't. 
similarly, I was going to say that I know like just from like retail management experience, for example, a lot of times you're overwhelmed with a lot of work. And the, the real answer, the long-term answer is you need to hire and train more people. But you're so busy with what's going on in your face minute to minute, you don't have time for that. And it just gets worse. Mm. And sometimes you have to like bite the mm. bullet and like work late or hire someone you didn't really want just to hold a place or whatever it is. And but anyway, I, to your point of Shay, I can see how she might be so caught up with the day to day activities that she understandably isn't spending a lot of time thinking about her husband's death or how to get know? ahead. Yeah. Like, like what to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like what comes next It's hard to plan. Like you said, that's a great uh, example there. It's hard to plan ahead when you're too overwhelmed with what's happening right now. Yeah. Uh, Mick Floyd sends a super chat says, I think Allison was just content to just complain about Rainier the rest of her life. Knowing Rainier would never really hurt her kids. Yeah. I think it's valid. I think Allison had a good sense that Rainier would never hurt her kids, no matter what Otto and other people would told her. On the other hand, I think they both have a pretty solid basis for thinking their kids would hurt each other's kids <laughs> at this point. They don't get along yeah. so well. So that's a that's a whole different problem, but a related one for sure. But I think it's accurate to say that probably Rhaenyra would not have killed Allison's children and probably Allison would not have killed Rhaenyra's children under other circumstances. The way things are going now, who knows? But... <laughs> Um, I think had all the had some certain other people not interfered, it may have gone that way. All right, let's talk about some more of these individual interactions, wielding power, convincing people through ethics, through kind of force forcing them through like you have no choice or just wielding power in general or offering them something they can't refuse, like in the case of the other lords at the council there when Otto was like you off the bow or or what <laughs> it's like oh you don't want to know or what only one of them was hanged but that's because he was trying to sneak out i think the rest are just in, in in cells but that's an easy place you can just die awful things can happen laris is in charge of the cells so that's bad like it's worse than if it was some other jailer i guess it seems probably like it's better to keep them alive. They can be held for yes, ransom. Absolutely. They can be held to for leverage over where troops will be committed later. And and even they might relent once once the dust kind of settles and they realize, okay, fine, we'll bow. You know, yeah. we get it. Yeah. So Otto and Mazzari, that was a really interesting conversation there. We have the slave born brothel keeper and broker of secrets showing that she has very strong power over both the king and the hand. She uses a yet another insect metaphor. We've seen lots of insects. She says, he, I, could, I could, have, could have killed him as easily as a wasp on fruit. And, was and she's associated with spiders and weaving when Laris refers to her in addition to her worm. Uh, maybe she's more like a silkworm. Oh, a silkworm. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> the white silkworm. That's yeah. good. So we got wasps, spiders, fireflies, even a bee, although the bee's buried now. <laughs> bee's, bee's buried. Bee's buried. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so, but she uses the power very surprisingly. I mean, there's probably other ways she'll use it, but using it to win uh, human rights for children that are being treated horribly, as we said before, doesn't look like it's going to work since there's characters like Biter around 150 years late from now. But it's very Varus-like, wanting to save the children, but also kind of using them. Yeah. Like, it's she's not ripping tongues out that we know, but she's used child sex workers no. and child spies, which is a very dangerous job <laughs> for anyone, but especially a child. Maybe less dangerous for a child, but a child is more precious. So yeah, also like you know, it's the same kind of thing. Where we're like, well, if we're comparing people on morals, she's 
seems so far better than other people, but not good. Not yeah. not exactly good, but I'm still <laughs> pro Mazaria at this point. And it's really, it's pretty interesting, though, the way the in- exchange there. It's like Otto's scrambling to try to maintain some of his power in this dynamic, and he has a pretty strong response that doesn't seem very but it's kind of subtle actually what she says is your power is what the people will allow you to take he's like remember that and he's like i will remember and it's like i will remember you like i have i will not forget this insult i think that's kind of the subtext there yeah i, like, yeah. I resent you holding this power yeah, I, I resent me. you i love the look on otto's face there's like a lot of times where that actor had to have like this 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 like intrigued expression where like he's surprised by something and there's multiple times in this episode where he had to like kind of arch his, his his eyebrow and he did it really well here as well where he's like oh you you know about Viserys give, give, give her the money give her the money yeah <laughs> he, he I should have maybe mentioned him too amongst the the, the great performances this episode because he was really good he, he's at his worst in this one like he's at his most despicable in this episode but also like his acting was really really good yeah. <laughs> like with you're you're right like his, his reactions and expressions mostly it that, that moment that uh i will remember this reminds me in, the, in that it could be interpreted a lot of different ways and he had to make just the right facial expression i, I wonder how many times they had to make that shot how many different iterations of a facial expression or how we read that line because it did seem i don't know how to say it's threatening like i i wondered if maybe he meant like you're right i need to account for the power of the people like at least on the surface he he can say that but it i wonder if it might have meant like i recognize this power you have over the people's opinion and i want to use you in the future you're a great ally thank you or it might be like I don't like how much control you have over the power's opinions and I might need to take you out. Yeah. I will it might be a little both, you, you know, like I, I might need to yeah, use you, but so I also am looking out for my chance to get back at you <laughs> to put you in your place, so to speak. Yeah. So this will continue, but let's look at it from some different angles. So Allison and Laris, for example, the secret she gets at first from cha- swapping her feet is this is by the way the kind of twist you really can't ever see coming <laughs> well can i say well, like that, predict like there were leaks yes. about this, yes but. well i'll say that there were rumors of the foot scene for weeks here for weeks and i kept thinking it was fake i had thought it had to be trolling i messaged after the screeners would come out in the week i would message like joanna robinson and be like was there a foot scene and she's like i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> and i was like okay good 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 and then, and then i messaged her after this one i was like so you remember when I texted you a couple weeks ago about a foot scene? <laughs> uh, I don't wow. know. Um, well, like, I, I guess this is our chance to talk about it. So I guess, like, I want to talk about it. <sighs> There's a lot of debate on on foot discourse here, right? Like, is it problematic? Does it feed into disabled stereotypes for Laris, who has a club foot, to fetishize feet? I see why people could think that it maybe is not a deconstruction or an examination or any sort of... It doesn't add depth, really, to Laris. So I could see where people think that it's just this like a, a gross you know disabled man fetishizing the thing that he's disabled over like i guess i could get that but to me here's my take on it which is that i don't think a foot fetish is all that gross compared to like laurie's cutting out tongues and stuff all, like that you know, it's, yeah exactly it's just, a thing. Yeah. it's just a thing so i don't think that we have to call laurie's being into feet the the 
the despicable part of this. It's the fact that he's like exploiting Allison. exploiting Allison yes. is the terrible part. And to me, it makes a lot of sense with like the kind of hangups that George has written in his characters that like Tyrion is, you know, has hangups about his height and his size. And Shay calls him like my giant of Lannister and they're like sexual play. So like, yeah. It kind of makes sense to me that someone who has a club foot in this world, who perceives it as like a terrible flaw, might fetishize that purity, like a, go- a good foot in someone. But I, I, I have mixed feelings because I have seen some very heartfelt takes from people who really were hurt by this or who thought they didn't like it. So I, I would like to hear from people who are actually disabled on it. I'm not super yeah. interested in takes whether it's good or bad from people who aren't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's whose opinion matters here. And within... It's only been 24 hours. We haven't exactly had time to look into that. So that's where I'm sitting right now. I agree with pretty much everything you said there, Shea, which is, yeah, it's not the act. It's not the sex. It's not the type. It's not the foot fetish. It's the fact that he's exploiting her for his sexual gratification. It doesn't matter what kind of fetish it is. It's just the fact that he's using... power. has this power over her. But maybe the writers, it might have been more sensitive to have her reveal some skin of her shoulder yeah. well, or her hip rather than her foot. I agree. I, that I, might have been more sensitive. I'm not sure. I, maybe. You might be right. It's a, yeah. I feel like there's a good chance of that. On the other hand, too, there is some evidence in Fire and Blood that Varys does have like an issue with his own foot. Like he, it's not you just Lars. Yeah, Lars. Varys. <laughs> yeah, Lars. Yeah, yeah. Has an issue with it, and it's it's like it's going to come up later. I can't I can't be specific without spoiling, but we'll talk about that on a little more on Saturday. So that maybe is what they were building off of. I'm not sure that was certainly not what George implied, but it's maybe a valid interpretation. I don't know. Like I'm not sure that just some random woman's feet would do this for him. You know, he's not just into all feet. It's the queen's feet. <laughs> he has power. Yeah. It's a power dynamic as much as it is a sexual thing, which, of course, sex and power are often intertwined. And a lot. someone who didn't have this, uh, you know, club foot might have the same fetish. Yeah. For the queen or her feet or some other part of her body. Yeah, you know? so it could happen. I, again, I can't see how some people might have been offended, but I I don't think there's any chance they were doing it to be offensive. No. And yeah, maybe yeah. with a budget might be insensitive, involved, yeah. they should have been more careful to, to see, that they weren't. They should have been more proactive. Yeah, I, I see. Guess, I think part of it is that they didn't want to have a lot of sexual violence in the show. Like they've said that they didn't really want to have that and they, they've been good at, at avoiding like D- Diana tells us about Aegon doing that. We don't see that happening and stuff like that. Yeah, that worked. And it so was, if they're like, well, we don't just want to see Laris like coercing Allison into sexual behavior. What's a way where they don't have to touch each other? And so it's a little, a little, uh, less visceral, a little less intense for people while still demeaning Allison or having Allison Alicent Sully herself for Laris, which is maybe what they wanted out of it. Uh, and so. I think the feet are the least sexual part of the body that she has covered up. For like people who don't have a foot fetish, the feet aren't very sexual. So like the like shoulder, you mentioned shoulder, Sean. Like a lot of people find that like that's that to her like seven sensibilities. They picked something that would she could do without feeling like she was going too much against like her virtues you know yeah it's that's like, true it's, too it's the least. over the years how yeah. this might have developed to where it is now yeah. it might have started off as something simple or even quote-unquote innocent yes and and she's at some point realized it was more than that but there was momentum and she really wanted this information and 
went ahead with it and then that, that is my question though you know what was the secret that allison sold her soul for literally yeah, pun there, intended there soul. definitely has been like, more of these this wasn't the first yeah, like, time so first what time. other secrets yeah. yeah she he's gotten she's gotten hooked on his secrets like she doesn't want to operate without his knowledge because it's like it's too valuable and so he's gradually like up to the price for that i think like he he's like before he's like you You'll reward me when you, the way you see fit. Remember the previous interaction was her putting him in his place like the last couple of times. But like now this, this reveals the relationship dynamics have changed. He's got the power now. He's got, they were before, like she still had him in control, but now he's kind of got her in control. I wonder if in this particular instance too, he might have pushed it a step or two beyond where it was before because he knows she's more desperate right now. Which he's very adept at. We've seen that. He knows yeah. exactly like, the, especially the way he adapts to, towards Otto's inquiry a minute later to talk about. It's super cunning and smooth and yeah. gross, but I'll say very intelligent. I, I don't think he's pu- I don't think he's pushed her farther today in this instant than he had before. I think they've gone all the way to him looking at her bare feet masturbating before. Like I, and I don't, so I don't think they've I don't think this was the first time they did that. I guess like she was reluctant I, to go all that way, but yeah. he was like, "No, nah, it's going to cost you the full." The full <laughs> again. So I'm like, "What other secrets has he told her that that cost the full Monty?" Because yeah, at first thing. she doesn't take her socks off. Yeah. She's yeah. just like, "Okay, here's the feet," and he's like, "A little more." He's like, "She's no, like, this oh. is good information." She's yeah. like, "All right." Yeah. Yeah, so I'm like, "What? What? Like, as in the past, did he tell her about like a different?" time with Aegon and a girl like I, again i'm like yep. well what what things have been happening in the realm that allison would want to know you know that she would need to know it really got my mind thinking and i don't have any good answers for big exciting things that were uh foot worthy yeah well, well well maybe we'll have some ideas later for now i want to i want to set out why he's just now learning this remember all the servants were rounded up and put in jail that's how he got access to them they were all he's the lord confessor his official title is used later that's the person basically in charge of the jails. So he got Talia and that child in his clutches. And that's how he found out that they were spies. So it's somewhat implied that he may have tortured her, may have tortured Talia. Uh, we'll, we'll see about that later, perhaps. So this is how, so uh, Allison learns, but not directly, not by name. Allison learns that she has spies in her employ. He doesn't say the name, the white worm, but he, but he says, I could cut the head off the snake for you. And she's like, that's mm. okay to do that. And then he goes to send his fireflies to commit more arson. Larius has no chill with this, with his name. Like, <laughs> fireflies, really? And you're going to, like, more arson? Yeah, so it, so it looks like he may have even burned the same spot that Otto and, and uh, Eric and Arik all hung out at for a minute talking to Mazaria. Um, but... This is also something that could come Mazzaria back to bite. <laughs> What's that? But we don't think Mazaria's dead. I really no, don't would think be Mazzaria's shocked dead. if she that died off screen. No. It would be so yeah. weird. Just no this could really come back to bite or become a drama because let me lay this out for you. Otto comes around to Laris in this sort of triangle of, of control situation and uh, uh, Lars immediately understands what's happening. He's like, he pivots. He's like, oh, all this time I've spent with her could be to your benefit. And Otto's like, uh-huh. He has this kind of like affronted, but yes, that's the right answer. Like, he's not quite sure what to do. It's another great moment of his facial acting like. And so Otto is working with both Mazaria and Laris while Laris is going after Mazaria, burning her buildings and trying to kill her. 
if Allison finds out her father is working <laughs> with <laughs> the person that <laughs> is also targeting her threat, like, M- sorry, uh, Mazaria, I said this badly. Mazaria has just threatened Otto, right? Now her building is being burned. Does she going to think this is Otto coming after her <laughs> for that threat? When it's in fact Laris at Allison's behest, but Allison isn't doesn't know who she's sent, who she's targeting. She just knows Laris is going after this generic spy person that did this. So this really, if the names come out, this could really blow up, even and make Otto and uh, Allison's relationship even worse than it already is. You know, I, I, have, I wanted to. Point- oh, I was just going to say, just I, I forgot to say it earlier, but Otto never recognizes it, but obviously he knows that Mazaria and Damon were together. Yeah. He met her. He met her in person. Yep. I just have to throw that out there that like in terms of Otto accepting her information, I don't know. Yeah, he's or, now met her in person. Or so why now, yeah. or why Mazaria might think that Otto would get this information from her and then go attack her because he doesn't trust her because he knows that she's with Damon or something like that. Yep. Yep. Uh, I, I wanted to point out I feel like uh Loris's MO is he pretends like there's nothing to talk about. Like multiple times he's been like walking away leaving the room and someone's like wait hold on please don't leave i want to ask you something else and sometimes they they feel almost like they've hooked him like otto was like you've been meeting with my daughter i feel like otto feels like he's hooked (laughs) lars but really lars is like gotcha yeah yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) lars really just hooked otto yeah Yeah, he may have yeah i really wonder what he means by that like does he actually have some measure of loyalty to allison or is he just willing to sell her out given the circumstances. I mean, he's not going to go down, he's not going to die for her, but you know. <laughs> One way or the other, he has an immense amount of power with the information he has and the people that want it. Yeah, he doesn't want to give that up. That's true. Yeah, he want, he likes having... Like in a way, he's got maybe is I don't know how to say it exactly. It's kind of what you talk about, just the nature of power, but in a way, he has more power than R- Rainey's on her dragon. In, in some you ways, know? yeah, you're right. You're totally right. Yeah, that's a different level of power. Like, he can't go crush an army you know or storm well, he the dragon can pit. Get, he can convince someone else to go crush an army mm-hmm. yeah. or murder a dragon or dragon uh, rider or something like a that. dragon rider yeah. yeah allison and rainies that scene we talked about briefly before uh just in how good the acting was let's talk about the content and what they actually discussed so she points out what happened to lanor and lena that was probably a good way to broach the subject. Bringing up the sea snake's ambition and how that had thrown in her house into disarray. I'm not sure that was so smooth. Yeah, that was kind of like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was just Maybe like, let's, that let's part out. rub your like face in your wound. like Salt, salt in the wound. wound. Yeah, it was, it, was literally, it was that. It really was. I was like, well, I mean, I... I, I at the end, Rainey says, you know, she says, you're, you're, you're wiser than I thought you were, Allison Hightower. I was like almost expecting her to say something like, and I didn't think you were very smart in the first place. So that's not saying a lot, you know? Like, I was expecting. That I was, was the unspoken yeah. part. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, you're, you're wiser than I thought you were, but you're not very wise still. That's kind of what I took. <laughs> There's a bit of like respect yet not respect in this moment where she's like, well, you know, I respect you enough to trust you if you say you're going to back us i will believe you <laughs> but if you don't say you're going to back us i'm going to lock you in this room so they're kind of being up front with their rudeness you know and it's like kind of the way these power games sort of go they're like i will let you i'm going to give you some measure of dignity by trusting you but i'm also putting you you know forcing this choice on you um yeah 
And it shows the the sort of Otto's kind of reasoning here. It's like, look, if you don't like, if you're not ruthless about this, you let something go unchecked here and it can just totally backfire. And they didn't, she didn't properly lock down Rainey's and then it backfired pretty bad. Hmm. Of course, she didn't see, she couldn't necessarily foresee a Kingsguard letting Rainey's out, but I don't know. You know, things happen. Yeah. You, you, you can't. This is why, like, having... it would have been hard for someone to account for that. Yeah. I think, yeah, you know what I mean. True. Like, it's what what else could she have done? Post a guard in the room with Rainey's, uh, or like, you know, I don't okay. Know. So my question is, like, did she? Did they know Rainey's was gone when they went to the coronation? Did anyone know that Rainey's was gone? Like, was she a wild card then, uh... or did they think that she was just still in her room right then? I bet they just thought she was still in her room. Yeah. Like, even if someone did notice it, which there might have been way less people to notice it because they just locked up all the servants, right? Yeah. So. It's less likely for someone to be going in there checking on her. And if someone did, how long would it take them to fight through the crowds and yeah. get to the dragon pit and up to the stage? And like, I need to tell the queens, like, not not right now. Yeah. This is not the, you know, they may not have been allowed to deliver that message. <laughs> so, but no, I, I said it at the beginning, but I will say this is my favorite scene in the episode and maybe in the season in general um this allison and rainy scene just where you know rainy says that line to allison about you know like it you're just trying to yourself. build a wall and you're oh, in yeah. your a, a prison right oh you're trying to make a window a, a window prison. yeah a window a, wall, a window prison, in the yeah. wall of your prison yeah um That's really good yeah all right i just brilliant brilliant line um i just want to give a lot of credit to the writers of the show for like even times when i'm like okay whatever this plot thing i i don't love or whatever like, i i i won't shy away from criticizing some decisions like that but i also don't want to shy away from saying like the actual like prose of this series has been so good and um i can't i can believe it when ryan condal said he made all of the writers read the books to get their head into what george's speaking style would be in this world and that really comes through i think very well um so props to them for for the dialogue in particular yeah well you said. know, an, another little, I don't know, note, realization here. Uh, Rita was kind of picking my brain. She's careful not to spoil stuff, but she's, <laughs> she's trying to ask me some good questions and got me to realize that at, at this moment, with this decision, Alicent isn't even queen anymore. She's Dowager Queen. Helena is. Dowager Queen. Yeah, right? yes. yeah I know. I was hoping to see Helena get crowned as well with Aegon there because she should have a crown and she was cr- she, she would be crowned. Uh, obviously, they were like, this is a little much. Um, they could just say that it's was- not even like Aegon is too young and Alicent's ruling yeah. in his stead. He's old enough. Yeah, Helena's like old Trump. enough. Mm-hmm. Alicent's power is a big drop down. Whether yeah. she realizes it, whether it plays out that way, like obviously the the details of how actual power can play out with the positions and the people in charge and stuff can vary a lot. But at least in theory, she can get knocked down a couple pegs in her ability to be on a council or make decisions. Or, or by the fact else. that especially her if, son is now the king and doesn't, you know, he doesn't have to yeah. listen to her anymore. He can listen to her he Aegon, a lot, but he doesn't yeah. have to. Especially if Otto had gotten to Aegon first mm-hmm. and said, all right, first thing you need to do is take your mom off the council. Yeah. Or, or, right? or like, remember what she said. She was like, don't kill Rhaenyra. Don't kill Rhaenyra. Right. But like, exactly, well, yeah. he's not beholden to that. He's like, he didn't even really give no, her an no. answer. He just, I mean, yeah, but, she's trying to tell him that. He's was, like, do you love me? Yeah. Come on, I'm trying to tell you not to yeah. kill someone. <laughs> but I'm just realizing it was extra important. It was relatively more important for Allison to get to Aegon first than Otto. Yeah. Because she's going to lose relatively way more power than him. If he's handed the king and he's still handed the king, 
And now the king well, is this young kid, doesn't know what he's doing. Otto's gaining power. That's sort of Elsie true. isn't even queen anymore. Let me point out, that's sort of true. You're right for right now. But he, that's a job. He can be stripped of that title. She can't be stripped of true. being the dowager true. queen. She is that. She can't strip, be stripped of being his mother. But he can be yeah. stripped of it. It's already well, happened. He's, he's still his <laughs> he got back, still, but, yeah. still has a little power she, she has, implicitly. Yeah. But. She has a guaranteed number eight spot yeah. that may effectively be two or three right now. He has a number two spot, but it's not as guaranteed. But it could drop. Yeah, yeah it could become a nothing. Like, he yeah. could be sent back. Because when he was sent back to Old Town, he was effectively nothing. Yeah. But then he came If back. he gets dropped, he goes down to 800. Yeah, away. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, in, outside of the castle... The gold cloaks start hurting people towards the dragon pit for the coronation. They don't know what they're being hurted for. They're just like, everyone's being forced towards the dragon pit. Uh, Eric doesn't know, as evidenced by the fact that Range is like, I don't want to go to a ship. I want to go to the dragon pit, get my dragon. He's like, nah, they're going to be looking for you there. And then it's just kind of a funny twist because that's where the crowd's going. <laughs> and so she just has that great smile where she's like, Oh, well, this is going to work out. Uh, I'm getting led to the dragon pit anyway. And this is after she gets separated from Eric. She's like, ah, crap. I don't even have my, like, guard with me anymore. And then, oh, never mind. I can get my dragon. I don't need a king's guard. I've got her. <laughs> so we, we'll have to, I guess we'll find out later what happened with Eric. But um, that's plenty of time for that some other time. She goes in. She's kind of like our inside the crowd POV for a minute there. Then it kind of just switches to the stage with a minute or two every once in a while we see what she's doing until she gets her moment to sneak off so Aegon's uh, this was really well done the way the crowd is just kind of confused they like Otto's speech was kind of stirring in terms of like saying goodbye to the king and that, that moved some people and but then when they're starting to announce the new king the crowd is just kind of like oh I don't know alright okay <laughs> they were confused they were like wait wasn't there a queen like what happened to in the book there's a few people like Hail the queen! Like they're yelling for Rhaenyra, you know, like a couple of them, and they're just like not not a lot of them, but it's notable. But then it just starts to, as the fanfare builds a little bit, as Aegon gets into it a little more, as Kristen Cole's yelling and the Septon is blessing him in oil. It's kind of interesting how the, in contrast to the Valyrian stuff, he's just like wiping like nothing on his like holy water. I don't know what that is. There's no ash or anything yeah. like. It was, there's blood for. I the, was assuming it was holy water. Yeah, or yeah. Some so that's sort. what I yeah. assumed. Do they have well. holy water? I guess they do. Yeah, I guess they do. <laughs> 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 they have those oils, which maybe you know, they said oh, the, yeah. the holy oils as well. Which maybe there was some oil there, just like yeah, see through. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, so they uh, suddenly like the crowd starts to get into CBD. it. They start to cheer. What's that? CBD oil. CBD oil. <laughs> you know, if it had really been holy water, it, it, it would have started to burn <laughs> his forehead when it wiped down. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I am not wearing, like, just sizzling off. off. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like I said before, he's never been loved. He's grown up with that, with this kind of hole in his heart or whatever. And all of a sudden, like, he's like, wow, these people love me. Like, he's into it. It's He's getting, like, a fire hose that he had all at once that he never got his whole life. And he's like a rock star. Like, yeah, love me, love me. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's worth noting born. even before that, even before that, as he like knelt down, he did the water and he gave him the crown. And then he was still facing away from the crowd. And as he looked across the stage, all these members of his family and the government, each one of them made a little bow to him. Yeah, a little yeah. nod. One like, well, time. And just bowed to me, my mom, like my brother, my brother yeah, like yeah. starting to this sink is in. Real, huh? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The power, he, yeah. It, not just the masses, but like, you know, it's, I don't know. I, 
I mean, they've been setting him up to be, you know, yeah. a, a dangerous character, right? You know, so I, I am more scared. I want to have this hope that he's filled this hole in his heart and now he feels accepted. With absolute power. I'm scared that, yeah. <laughs> the yeah, gods have yet I'm to make a man who lacks the patience powerful. for absolute power. Otto said yeah. it himself. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I said the same thing too, Sean, where I was like, you know, there's a world in which that could be a good thing. Like someone seeing the, the love of the people for them and wanting to make the people happy, like that could be good like i i i really don't think it will be especially (laughs) most monarchs are not really going to do anything good for their people in general so Aegon isn't really much different on that front but like i can't like it's just it's the same kind of thing where like i think of billionaires or i think about stuff like that where i'm like i can't imagine having that power to just help people and not doing and it not doing and yeah. not being yeah. like yeah i i, yeah. I want to be the coolest person on the world yeah i want to donate all like <laughs> i i, I want to please the people like i do i am a people pleaser so like it seems like it could be such a positive but it won't be it just won't be yeah yeah Yep, there's no foreshadowing for it to be good. Yeah, and yeah. like so, all of a sudden he's like, maybe I want this after all. Maybe I like, maybe I'm into this, and starts to dawn on him all the things he can do that he hadn't thought about. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe he does have the patience for it after all. <laughs> so yeah, and this is, and we're shown some ominous things earlier in the episode, like the crowds were cheering for that disgusting fighting pit. There was a pretty substantial crowd in there. Like this is the same crowd of microcosm of what's cheering for this man, you know, like, yeah, yeah that's true that, that you're right. That, like, <laughs> the, it's not like Aegon was the only person at the fighting pit. That was a full, full bit place of business. The reason these like, it's you know, like this, this, this establishment had plenty of patrons. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't mean that everyone is like no, that, of no. course, but there is a slice and it only takes a slice to, I don't know if this was an election to swing it from 51 to 49 or whatever. Good point. But, yeah. Good point. So I guess we got our answer on the beast beneath the boards. It's not a hundred percent certain. I'd say there's room for this, not being the beast beneath the boards. It seems like it is. It certainly was beneath. It's certainly a beast. Maybe there weren't boards. This looks more like stone. certainly helena was very both helena was very uh adamantly like freaked out about the beast beneath the boards right before the scene true which points to the idea that she was particular she was she was worked up into a fervor frantically about it right then perhaps but i really do like the idea that there's room for for people to keep theorizing that this is vague enough that you we we can't say for sure and that we maybe won't unless there's some interview or something where they're like yeah that was it that was it yeah but like i hope they don't confirm that because that is the fun of it to me is that i can still say i do really like the idea that it's a scorpion beneath the boards of a ship or that it's like someone beneath the floorboards of the red keep or that it's like, like there's many op or it's, it's, it's the, 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 the beast thing, the, or, yeah. or it's that it's the board of like the table that you could be sitting at. Like there's so many ways you could interpret it, but yeah. my or take the, the board yeah. of counselors, yeah. the, the small council or, yeah, exactly. or beneath being kind of like behind, it could be Loris is kind of behind the plays that are going on, uh, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. It's, and it could be all those things. Oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I certainly correct there as well. So, uh, I think it was very well done, uh, prophesizing from the writers again yeah. here to, to keep things vague enough and relevant enough to multiple things. Yeah. Super, super curious to, uh, kind of hear their thoughts on, um, 
prophecy crafting eventually not like i don't i don't really want them to give us the answers to all these prophecies but i would like to hear more about how they go about crafting something that can be uh, be like applicable to many different situations yeah yeah i like that idea it has it has added a lot to the show i think or to the discourse in a good way because some of the discourse isn't so fun like people arguing over who's better greens or blacks is I don't need to be involved in that. You know, have at it if y'all want. That's not for me. But I love theorizing about prophecies in this story. That's super fun for me. Huh? Give me all that. You know, I love hearing the ideas, yeah, I love like- hearing the thoughts and, and the, the way, especially the way, like, especially looking at Fire and Blood. Like, this is one, this isn't in Fire and Blood, Sean. Small spoiler there, this, this, this moment. So that's part the of- Beast Beneath the Boards? Right. Well, Helena being a dreamer isn't and, in it, and, but and- nor is this event yeah. of- the dragon bursting through the, the ground so we that's part of why none of us saw it coming we were like we're trying to figure out the basement like what could this be and we're like oh, no wonder we couldn't predict it because if this is what it was we couldn't have possibly predicted something that wasn't in the books or i had a, a flash of thought as people were filling in there i was thinking man if someone like yells fire or something, <laughs> but like people getting trampled at like soccer tournaments and stuff like yeah. that like this is really dangerous i guess they didn't have fire codes or whatever back then and much less dragon codes (laughs) (laughs) dragon fire codes yeah Yeah. (laughs) so all right so let's talk about it in terms of the moment itself like logistically i don't think we need to complain too much we all like eh, dragon bursting through the grounds a little awkward like this there's some logistical issues with this there's like there's the the common complaint i've seen which is well like wouldn't rainies have gotten hurt could the dragon have done that like again the the logistics which again (laughs) as we've said many times on the show a lot of TV has this. We kind of try to move past it and not get caught up on it. But I, I agree that it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me that she could uh, just burst through and not be hurt. Or yeah. I, I don't know. Kind of weird to me. I agree. But that's not my bigger issue with it. My bigger issue with it is the moment as it plays out for Rainey's herself. Once they've made the decision to have this happen. They wanted to give Rainey's a big moment on her dragon. I get that. But I feel, and this was a, a take from um, Kavita, who we had on the other week, um, as y'all remember, Dr. Kavita Mudan Finn, mm-hmm. um, who said what where she thinks that it could have really clicked for her is if they had given Rainey's a speech here. If Rainey's had looked down at the Greens and scorned them and said, I don't want to to, I don't want to be a kinslayer right now, but hear this and that you, you were wrong and we will be back with fire and blood. Like this will lead to bloodshed if you continue down the, the route you're going and that she could have warned them and had a big speech moment for Eve best to boot and explained herself to the audience so that we don't have to hear in the behind the scenes. Oh, she did it for the mercy of a mother, which is what they said. And to me, <sighs> I really sometimes I do get tired of them giving the behind the scenes interviews because I want to just headcanon what I think I want the, the answer to be. I don't really want them to give me an answer. And for here, I think the better answer is that Rainey knew that the optics were bad. It's for kinslaying. Her to, it's like, kinslaying. Multiple times over. Multiple times over in front of like. There's like it, a sept in there. With a sept, like it looks really bad. So like give that reason to me. Don't tell me that Rainey's didn't kill Allison just because of the mercy for a fellow mother because she just killed a whole bunch of mothers in the crowd she don't like i i I don't want to look at this as a moral uh a a moral uh quality in rainies i want to look at it as like the hypocrisy and the the, how how tricky and messy this whole situation is i don't want to be like yeah rainies you did the right thing i don't know now you guys can go off on this but that's my spiel your turn sean yeah (laughs) yeah similarly i thought that um 
I was I was frustrated by that explanation in the the behind the scenes too. I'm like, what about all the mothers that she killed bursting up through the floor? And uh, also, I, I thought it was as much about like the conversation she just had with Allison about moving toward peace, right? That and so that this was her move toward peace by not like burning you all alive. Like, look, we could, maybe we can find a compromise. I, I could kill you, but I'm not. So later on, remember this, when you could kill some people, maybe you shouldn't. Except that she also just killed some people. <laughs> like, well, okay, let me, let me jump in here. I, assault, I think you know? guys are not wrong to criticize her for killing the women, but I don't think it's hypocritical to say she about mothers. Because this is a recurring theme that highborn people do not look at lowborn people at the same status. Oh, That's I agree recurring. with that disease. Yeah, yeah, like that is it, just it really is, normal. Oh, well, I'm just saying we should it, acknowledge that. Well, I'm saying like that yes, can yes. be a trait and I can I can like that they wrote that into a character, but that doesn't mean I think Rainy should be lauded for something. For, for this oh, I'm not lauding her for not, it. I think yeah. people are. There are yeah. people who are super pro okay, right. it, I agree with not I, lying. I feel like it yeah. might. I feel like it might be within her character to kill "quote unquote" innocent commoners or whatever, yeah. and still have a different standard for her noble family. You yeah. know, that's. But it still takes away from what might have seemed like a more heroic moment. Instead, I think it's a villainous moment. If she had sacrificed herself to save hundreds of commoners, she would be a hero. But this is almost the opposite. She killed hundreds of commoners in order to save her own hide. And okay, fine, she didn't kill these eight more innocent, quote unquote, people on stage, but I don't think it made it okay what she did. I, I Especially right. when you can even. I don't think, think about anyone's how, arguing like, it made it okay. Like I don't. I don't know yeah. that we. That's this is. Yeah, I don't think we. Well, uh, okay. Everyone. We're all. We already all agreed well, it wasn't okay. Okay. Well, none of us here. None of us here on this panel. But I will say that. Well, that's what a, I meant. I, us, yeah. I tweeted. I had okay. a, a tweet asking about. Well, what do you, what do y'all think about Rainey's and Maylee's killing all these small folk? Or what do you think about her choosing? Like, because there's a two different issues: is the idea of her killing the small folk and the issue of her not killing the greens. You can be okay with one and not with another. Like, there's others. Like a bunch of different permutations of how you can be okay with this scene or not, and there were a lot of people who commented and said, "Well, these were people who were cheering for the usurper. These were, you know, whatever." Like there were many excuses that people had, and I'll go on the record. Like I'm still very pro Rainies. I like a complex character who isn't just like a good person, always pro the the, the positive thing. Like I like that Rainies is callous towards the small folk. Like. I don't like it, but I I think it makes sense for her character. That's what I was getting at. I was like, uh, it doesn't. It's not inconsistent, yeah. or or you can you could say it like from out from outside the show, it's hypocritical. It's not hypocritical within that context. Like characters do this all the time. Well, I mean, it is. We can call it hypocritical, but it's not inconsistent. This is normal yeah. royal blooded yeah. hypocrisy about devaluing the lives and, of commoners and, of course, and, oh, yeah. and holding above lives of people who are of equal rank to them. The scene that it makes me think of is Caraxi squishing the man who loved Damon, who's like, Damon, my prince, my prince, yeah. and then he just stepped on him, which is just that the lives of the small folk of the commoners are meaningless to the nobles. Like, mm -hmm. like, And that's what Mazaria, her thesis yep. statement here is, which is why I am currently team Mazaria above all else until she does something wrong. <laughs> It, it it's frustrating to me one because i want to root for her kind of like i want to root for allison but when allison c covers up the rape her son committed and with rainies kills a dozens of innocent people suddenly i feel like what well, crap i can't root for them you know i want well, you can to, root for them depending on what they're doing you don't know? root for her in that moment yeah, but if I she's can, doing something good yeah. you're like it's like stannis yeah. like you don't the race well, the and, bad and doesn't the other thing the is the other way around the other thing that's frustrating to me, kind of like I was saying before, is I just feel like the hate on Kristen Cole isn't balanced for for the other people. For like, if you rate how bad what he's done, you rate how bad what other people have done. I feel like everyone should be online 
calling for Rainey's death. Well, you right you now. know why that but is. But people are you still, still online know why that is, though, Sean. Cold, you know why that well, is. I do know because they know in the books <laughs> right. that things are going to happen. And that's later still the same words, reason. But... Yeah, it's still the same reason. Yeah, it hasn't changed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um, what was I going to say? I had. Oh, I did want to point out though that I had more confidence, or I have some confidence that this will be addressed in the show on some level, because I think when they showed everyone being corralled to that dragon pit mixed up in that sort of montage of Eric and Rainey's and uh, Alicent and Aegon and everyone kind of converging there. There were also sheep being herded to the slaughter. And I feel like that's, uh, I, I yeah, don't think that was an accident, you know? Yeah. yeah. Good catch. Um, I didn't see that. I did yeah. see so the sheep. I, I, I didn't think of that. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I, I hope that they wanted us to equate that and it, it will still be, it, it seems like it's something that would be easy for the greens to play up, but like, Look what Rainies did. These Targaryens don't respect you. You've got to rally behind us. I, you know, I, 100%. I, I, mean, I agree with you, Sean. And that is kind of where I also land with this is that my opinion on this will play out differently depending on how much the calamity and tragedy that all these, like, uh, like think about, like, let's say 100 people died here, like, and how many people, like, experienced the traumatic, like, PTSD of, like, not even getting hurt. But, like, this is something that I people should be playing up for years. Like, do you, like, do you remember the calamity at the Dragon Bit? the dragon pit the beast beneath the boards like i feel like this is the sort of thing that people can rally the, the around North remembers yeah, the, you know, yeah. yeah. king's landy remembers or something like and that and so yeah. if it is just never brought up then yeah i would be very bothered by it but i really don't think that that'll be the case we will talk on saturday about what we think the ramifications are of this of rainy's doing this um for king's landing for the dragon pit and for rainy's herself because i i do think that they're I, they didn't just do this willy nilly. Like they they chose to do this per- very purposefully, whether you like it or not. Like I I think that it it, it will play out over a time. Mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, one other I don't know point I want to cover is I don't know for sure that everyone there was cheering the usurper. No, like no. some people were just crowd there. There were even if they were there by choice, some of them might have just been curious what's going on. And say they didn't they have a choice. Yeah, they were forced yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, right. But say that they say some people did show up. They heard a rumor. There's going to be a new king. I support Aegon. Screw that queen. I'm going to go cheer. Is the penalty for that death? Yeah, no. <laughs> did no. Rainey's know that's what those people were thinking when she burst up? And no, all I mean, the people were no, thinking. No, I like, think Rainey's too, really like, was just uh, like my life is more important than. Yeah. Any, any of these I gotta people, get yeah, out of here. here. I gotta warn Rhaenyra. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I truly think that that's all. Like, I, I really, I, I can't really imagine a world in which Rainey's thought twice, like, do I really want to kill a hundred people? Like, I just, I don't even really think it registered for her. I don't either. Just like Damon crushing that dude. Well, f- frankly, I don't think Damon knew that dude was yeah, even there. Yeah, I don't yeah, think he even knew yeah. he was there. Yeah. It was more symbolic Damon than it was that, Damon yeah. literally and, like not and caring. Damon was in an actual war where there is just going to be collateral damage. Yeah. He is trying to kill the bad guy leader. He can't get himself killed. There, there might be some casualties. But she was in the middle of a city. Yeah, there's no active you know violence I mean? happening like, in this moment. She yeah. knew there were a bunch of people that had just been crowded into that room against their will. Yeah. And just burst up there, you know. Yep, that's true. She was in the room herself before she <laughs> burst into <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that is uh, a very important moment for sure in terms of, of her character yeah, I, and, and built and laying groundwork. Yeah, laying groundwork. Uh-huh. The ground was destroyed. I, destroying I guess, yeah, groundwork. Just, just to say one more thing there is just that, again, it's just that the... the the writers call this a triumphant moment for Rainey's, and I, I don't see the triumph really. It's not. It's very a po- triumph of power. Like it's, no, you. Okay. I think you guys are thinking on ethics, okay. and okay. it's not about. They they are not talking yeah. about ethical. They, of course, they're not saying, "Yay, she killed a hundred commoners." Like, 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're saying well, they she kind of dominated saying it a little bit. She, when she they showed say, them up. She yeah, ruined their council. Yeah. She just she they're ruined kind their coronation. Saying that she has yeah. some moral moral uh, high ground on the Greens when she chooses not to kill. Like that is the impression that I took from it was that they were like, and Rainey's chooses to be the better per like, which yeah, I again yeah. I don't agree she with that. But that better. is yeah. just the impression that the writers give me in the behind the scenes, which I'm like. Yeah. So who's really forgetting about the commoners? It sounds like the writers are not yeah. necessarily. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> the writers sort of forgot about the commoners. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say sometimes I, I want to give them some credit that maybe they can't be fully candid. They can't exactly say what they want because it might spoil what's yeah. going to happen or some decision behind True. the scenes. And it might have got edited up by someone. I, I guess there is one last little point I want to try to make is that even if those people were like cheering the usurper and even the people on stage, they're being gaslit. They, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. Allison is telling Aegon, this is what your father said. Yeah, all the people um, in the crowd just heard the hand and the queen tell them like – they're they're not all choosing to be treasonous, right? On some level, they all think they're doing the right thing, yeah. and that might be different from the books, if I understand right. But that is the scenario. Other than Otto, because Otto was going to do this one way or the yeah, other. Yeah, Otto knows. Allison really, Allison does not believe she's performing treason. Aegon maybe did for a minute, but he's coming around. There's no way Helena barely, I think, knows yeah, what's Helena happening. And anyway, again, think about like the innocent people on stage. If you, I mean. I guess Otto wanted to go kill everyone on Dragonstone, but mm. but Helena is not doing something wrong here that deserves to be burned alive for, you know. And so hopefully, Rainey's recognize that as much as whatever she thought about Allison, you know. Right on. Well said. We've had a lot of uh, nice, uh, intense takes today. You know, yeah. we have. I, w- I wouldn't say we've argued. We've maybe pushed yeah. back on each other's points a little bit, but that's good in a healthy way. Yeah, it's like I think this has been good discourse. We, we, we kind of like agree as all three of us on this take. So at the be- before the stream I was like, I don't think we'll be too heated because you know we all agree. But then you know you're trying to be more measured with it, so it maybe it maybe seems like we're debating more. But I think we all do agree that like. Not a great, not a great action by Rainey's here. <laughs> so here's what I said before. Like I said, I look logistically, there's issues, whatever, but symbolically, it is pretty amazing because it, coming back to Varus's shadow on the, on the wall riddle, you have in that riddle, there's a cell sword and three men of power and each man of power try to get the cell sword to kill the other two people, right? The other two men of power. And. This plays out throughout Game of Thrones. Shadow on a wall. Is it just, is power just a shadow on a wall? Is it just a trick? And they are doing this in this moment. They're doing all sorts of tricks. Like you said, Sean, gaslighting the crowd, getting them fired up on specious reasoning, on leaving things out, uh, using the symbols, Blackfire, the crown, invoking the name of the conqueror, being at the dragon pit, having a, you know, just being summoning the, a claim of a large crowd that didn't necessarily know what they were even being summoned for. You know, these things are, these are tricks sort of the dragon bursting through the wall where the shadows are playing like the Kool-Aid man (laughs) of prophecy. (laughs) Who's also red by the way. (laughs) I was just trying to think of it. She needs to be a dragon named Kool-Aid. 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 Whatever. (laughs) <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Like it's really stirring. Like it's like this is real power, y'all. Like all these shadows are nothing compared to this thing that can smash through the wall that shadows are dancing on. And if it wanted to, could torch all of you, but it chooses not to this one time. So I, I, that part really works well for me. As much as the logistics are like, eh, and I don't like seeing Rainey's as a f- character. I like kill all these people. That's what happened. And <laughs> and uh, 
Yeah, so I got to like looking at the good side. I love the symbolism of this moment. So like the whole Green Council, that's what they're doing. They're kind of arguing over how to do their shadows. That's like what the, that's that's their what they're trying to do. They're trying to arrange the shadows a certain way, right? Like, hey, let's let's uh, get our certain allies in a row and not tell people and do all this other thing. These are all shadows on the wall. <laughs> also, I like to say that uh, if Aegon was wondering whether Allison loved him. She did get in front of him. I think he got his answer here. Like that's she, she, really she, true. You know, like I, I hope that he clocked that, that that she, you know, she still cares. Allison was very brave in that moment. Yeah, they they to the Greens' credit, they could have run away, <laughs> but that would have looked bad. Yeah, and it looks good that they stood there. Like yeah. it looks bad that they're being overpowered, but it would have looked worse if they ran away. <laughs> they at least look kind of brave standing on not one of them ran. Like yeah. they all stood there. Which I is- love Helena. Look on Helena's face because she's like, it came true. <laughs> I was right. She's like beast <gasps> boards beneath. It's like bears beats Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah, I, I also Dwight, yeah. also took note that the Allison sent Kriston to cover Helena. Yeah, you're right. And she stepped in front of Aegon. Aemon can handle himself. Like, she yeah. was very aware. She wasn't, like, panicking. You know? She was brave and aware. Yeah, you're yeah. right. There was very good, like, yeah. crisis management there. She was, like, she knew yeah. what to do. She was ready to go. Like, you guard her, her I guard him. Yeah, uh, very brave. Yeah, like, Allison's a, Allison's a great character. Good leader. I see here, he Kartik probably says, getting in front of someone when Dragonfire is coming is so dumb. It does nothing. Well, we see what it did. It was meant to try to, to appeal to Rhaenys's mercy yeah. to someone that she had just had, a per, like, a very, you know, personal conversation with that was allison's only play here is to be like hey you don't want to torch me do you like maybe like you're willing to torch Aegon, the future like this king that we're crowning but do you really want to kill me rainies like that's what i took from it and then and then rainies is like well i actually i, I don't really want to make you uh i, I don't want to make you uh lose children as well yeah you know i, I just thought of one other important thing i wanted to say i I'm not sure at the end of this what side Rainey's is on. I through the course of this, I've been trying to like piece together how I thought the sides were gonna fall. And my default was Rainey's would line up with the blacks. But I wondered after this scene, I'm I'm not as sure. You know, like maybe probably in a long run she still will, but she might try to stay neutral as long as possible. In fact, a big motivation for her. She wants to get home to her husband who was supposed to have arrived maybe dead, you know. Yes. So she, she has a lot going on in her mind also. She needs to confer with him. Pay to or, kill a bunch of innocent yeah. people. But I can see why maybe in this moment when she's faced with burning all these people alive, she's like, this is a decision I need to make later. Yeah, you know? well, like, it yeah. is. Yeah. it seemingly means she has rejected the Greens. It doesn't mean she's sided with the blacks. There you go. Right? She yes. might be right to yeah. say that she might be neutral at this point. And you're right, also right to say she's got to go confer with her mortally yeah. wounded, maybe already dead husband. Yeah. It's like, and what, what, see what he wants to do. She will go communicate this information to the blacks, whether she's going to side with them or not. She yeah. certainly thinks that fair is fair, that they should know this information. Also, right? her like, that's kin are married it. into the blacks yeah, family, yeah. so she has that loyalty to them yeah. as well, like her her grandkids I, I wonder where she will go first will she fly straight to dragonstone before driftmark mm. driftmark is closer 
Driftmark is close. So they're right next to each other, though. So she could stop off and Driftmark, but she could fly to Dragon's Universe. I'm, that's a good question, actually. Yeah. You'd think she'd want to check on her husband, but she might just immediately... I would guess that she would go straight to Rhaenyra on Dragonstone. Yeah. That that's would just that's be kind my of my, my default. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would think that, too. Especially, yeah, she's going to just... Yeah, she can I, easily just send a raven to, to Driftmark when she gets to Dragonstone and be like, hey, what's up with my husband? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. If he, you know, is he alive still, or what's going on here? Is, has his health improved, or what's up? So they may even know like that news might have come to King's Landing, but no one's worried about it right now. Yeah, you know? yeah that's true. true. Or, or no able to it, disseminate yeah. it even. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, also, by the way, as far we may we pointed out the king, kin slang is a pretty big deal. Killing a king is a pretty big deal, too, outside of battle. Like if king dies in battle, that's all well and good. That's that they consider that fair in Westeros. He's but no just, king. But regicide like is not really acceptable. That's that's a taboo you know maybe taboo is putting it mildly like killing a king you shouldn't do that that's you really should avoid that it's like <laughs> having cookies after midnight you know don't have cookies after midnight don't kill the king but uh, i am very taboo if you're not supposed to have cookies after midnight. <laughs> <laughs> and, there, and this comes up again later there's a certain other character yet to come who does who has very particular views on when it's appropriate to, to kill a king or not uh, y'all may know who I'm talking about. We'll bring that up on Saturday. Mm. So, yeah. Who are you talking about? You have to tell me afterwards. I'm like, who is this? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Viserys yeah. also pointed out, this is an important point time to remember Viserys. He said, as, as we're talking about how the dragons are the real power here, as they showed up all the shadows on the wall very emphatically by breaking the wall. Well, this one dragon did anyway. Viserys said power over dragons is an illusion, right? And this is uh, by way of example... Rhaenys was considerably less powerful until she was reunited with her dragon. Until then, she was she's still very important because Allison wanted to win her over. She's of royal blood. Whatever happens to her will impact what House Valarian does the rest of the way. So they can't just, you know, mistreat her badly. They have to keep that in mind. But still, with her dragon, she's clearly a lot more formidable. <laughs> um, yeah, so then in this episode, it really showed um, where power flows. Back and forth, round and round power over the powerful um people in the front sometimes led from people in the shadows sometimes uh it goes both ways it's really really well done in that regard i think that's something about this episode that i really appreciate and i think it will bear a lot more analysis as we've had more time to think about it sean i've got a couple of miscellaneous questions and comments do it i think this episode is the first time we got a named religious figure was that septon eustace was his, that was Eustace? Yeah, it was Septon Eustace. I'm pretty they, sure, they, yeah. If, you, if Sean knows the name Septon Eustace, then I'm going to guess that they said <laughs> Septon Eustace. I didn't realize that was Eustace. Yes, Eustace is in Fire and Blood, so that is really important. So okay. that's great. I'm glad yeah. he's in there, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I felt like they were kind of playing up the religious element, that, you know, how Allison had changed the decor and everything, but we had yet to get a named character. And so I didn't know, well, maybe this isn't going to be a factor. Maybe it still isn't, but I feel like this is the first named character that we're getting from that. So if that is an element, this is the first Remember too, step in that direction. You may have forgotten this from the original that high septons give up their names. He's not a high septon. He's just a okay. high okay. up septon, not the high septon. Remember <laughs> they, but they give their names up. Like they're just the high septon. Mm. They, they abandon their name, which is supposed to be because they are, you know, abandon their earthly name and become closer to the, but it, but, there's cynicism like some people are like oh that's how that's they do that so we don't know which house they came from and things like that oh, sometimes yeah. it's hightower <laughs> it's like because <laughs> yeah. they're right in the same city and they're like the hightowers would rather you forget that the high septon is a hightower because then they're just like so much power <laughs> it carries a lot of weight with it or yeah animosity or whatever else yeah yeah 
the High Sparrow, uh, before the High Sparrow took power in Game of Thrones, one of the guys that was close to winning the vote, they were like, they were like behind the scenes, like trying to win enough votes from the other religious leaders to become the new High Septon. It was a fray. The fray <laughs> at, High, at, at King's Landing, it's like Walder's like ninth son or sixth son or something like that was like, using fray money was bribing his way and was going to win until the highest bearer just like barrels in on the backs of the po- uh, backs of the commoners and is like nope this is the guy now so yep so septon eustace and the and the commoners other religious figures will matter later as well so you're you're i'm glad you're bringing this up because it is it is groundwork as well as so active plotting house fell where are they from that's uh, the, the woman that didn't bow okay yeah. and uh who was that other that other noble lord that that wouldn't bow, they they didn't give him a name. I couldn't make out a sigil. Do you have a guess? Unfortunately, when I rewatched, they did not say in subtitles. And when I last looked, the House of the Dragon had not been updated. I was hoping he would be on that website, but no, I do not know. I remain. I, I wish that House of the Dragon, that Game of Thrones, that these, this series would credit names in the end credits with their full names. That because, would be nice. Uh, that's, some shows do name. that. Yeah. That is not an abnormal Most shows thing. do Most that. Most shows do that. <laughs> so that- it's frustrating that they don't do that and we have to find out by like scouring IMDb guide and, websites. Yeah. But yeah. no, I tried looking at the clothes that he was wearing, you know, like sometimes like you can tell that like by the sigil what, what they are, but I, I honestly, I even the color yeah. scheme of the cloth or whatever, but Merryweather. I'm just got. I don't know where they got that. Mm. House is Merryweather. Mary. Okay, I'm gonna believe that that is Merryweather. Well, there is a there is this scene does happen in Fire okay. and Blood, and there's only a few lords that it's a similar Not number Wiki of lords that don't, that Lord don't Mary, Merryweather. So maybe maybe the website was updated with that. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that was uh, Lord Caswell, who we'd seen many times before, Lady Fell, and Lord Merriweather, yeah. and um, no, trans Caswell, the series, no, no House Merriweather. We know Tana of Mirrors of House Merriweather. Yes. Huh. So pretty much it's what's great about this is you can feel confident, Sean, and the rest of you listening out there who might be unsullied, even a lot of these small deaths will matter. Like they won't just be forgotten. Some of these lords and ladies, their families are gonna it's gonna determine what side they take. Like look at Lord Beesbury, for example. Let me just give you an example. The Beesburys are vassals of the High Towers, but from their perspective, during a green coup, their lord was killed. They don't have like precise, nuanced information, and they may not believe what they're told if they are. So this is pretty much very likely to predispose them to side with Rainier. I'm not saying that's definitely what's gonna happen, but you could straightforwardly make that guess given their their lord who's very famous like beesbury was master coin since the time of the old king that's a famous like well-known man like an honorable dude so that's a pretty big important killing right there and and that one's more important than some of these other ones but these other ones will matter too lady fell like you mentioned if that's merriweather like yeah can i say I'm mind blown right now by uh, Devil's Advocate, who says Lord Merriweather here. I have him on screen. Was in Peep Show. He played Sophie's dad, Olivia mm-hmm. Coleman's father, in Peep Show. I remember him so clearly now. That's exactly him. That's one of my favorite comedies of all time with uh, with uh, uh, Mitchell and Webb. And anyways, so well I know played. this actor. I th- <laughs> thanks for that, Devil's Advocate. I am super mind blown. I wonder who was familiar to me. Okay, one last one. Okay. The uh, the Lord Commander ditching his cloak and leaving the, the king card. Yeah. Awkward circumstances, but still, 
Is that precedent setting? Has anyone resigned from the Kingsguard before? Uh, not that I know yeah, of. You, yeah, I mean, you might have been the first one. Sandor right? kind of did. He, well, I mean, well, he didn't really mean, resign. In, he kind of fled. Well, I, I think we mean precedent like in world. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. In the history. Before then, no. Yeah. Not that we know of. Um, no, I don't think we know of an example before that. And of course, this um, does not. This doesn't happen in Fire and Blood, so this isn't really a precedent yeah. set in Fire and Blood at all. In, in Fire and Blood, Kristen Cole, he dies. Harold Whistling just dies. Like, mm, it's like 15 years before like this. 15 years before, and Cole is named Lord Commander then. So it's really not a thing. Like, it's a, not a huge change, but a complete change. Um, so, yeah. so Maybe gives more weight to, I don't know, Allison's play and Cole's. Yeah. And us book readers so, uh, have no yeah. idea what Westerling's going to do. <laughs> yeah, where is he going to yeah. show up? Yeah, is yeah, gonna, it keeps him surprised. Is he going to be yeah. like, you know, Barristan with Danny, where Harold shows up with uh, Rhaenyra? Is Westerling going to be like, oh, okay, you crowned Aegon and everyone went along with it? Okay, I'm back. Or like, yeah, w- w- what could Harold do right here is a, a big question. One thing House of the Dragon has already beaten Game of Thrones on is people wearing murder cowls. To the, yeah. You know, like, there's just so many murder cowls. Going, so maybe Harold Westling will also wear a murder and cow. So Kristen did wear one. Too. Yeah, hats too. That's right. Oh. What, uh, Kristen wore that hat because Kristen cold. Yeah, yeah, Kristen cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that hat is really like funny <laughs> I, I, yeah it's like objectively very amusing to me to see him yeah, in this hat like, I, I i appreciate him I'm like what what are you hiding like you're just no like oh he's like oh i'm pretending to be a commoner so i have to wear a hat but it's like you don't have silver hair you need to hide yeah it's like it's like what is everyone knows Kristen cole's hair like <laughs> like mm, yeah i don't know about that and that eye patch is like you're not fooling anybody with that eye patch bro <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Kristen Cole with his hat. It's funny because it's also, it's also like, um, like you said, the, the, the going incognito with, with something that doesn't need to be incognito. It's like that dude is really handsome, but somehow that hat makes him look orders of magnitude less handsome. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's weird. It's, it's like really shows you the power of fashion. Usually it like makes people look better, but this is like, man, this hat really just look completely him. makes him look he like, looks like a, a doofus. fashionista. Yeah. No, like you rarely like... see me mock what someone looks like. I mean, he can he can handle it because he's so good looking. Like he can afford to be taken down a peg, like, I mean, and he just takes the hat off and he's Sean fine. Sean and Aziz both think that Kristen Cole is the most attractive in the realm, <laughs> hottest. Yeah, hottest but hold, hold on, I need to cancel my Amazon order. Home. <laughs> <laughs> hat canceled. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, um, super chats here. A few last last comments. Uh, Bill Sotheby, Rainey's should have, could have blasted out the exit door and only killed a handful of guards to escape. She did choose to kill the commoners to make a statement. Uh, like, I, I, uh, I feel like that there wasn't, that, that is my thought as well. It's like, wasn't there an exit, a back exit that she could have gone to? Maybe she was worried that her dragon would get killed in trying to do that. There are definitely other exits to the dragon pit. We saw yeah. Rainier use one in the first scene of the entire show. Yeah. <laughs> After the Great Council. <laughs> yeah, like she landed mm-hmm. in some courtyard in the Dragon Land. It wasn't through those giant doors. That was one think. of my, uh, <laughs> I don't know, like doors. justifications. Was it maybe that floor like opens up or pulls away and mm. there was no other way out? But yeah, uh, probably not. Apparently not. <laughs> and that doesn't make sense either. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely agree with Bill Sotheby that she was making a statement. I'm not sure if I exactly agree with, because uh, I think I'm more on the, the thing is she was just kind of ignoring the commoners. Like, whatever happens to them, she doesn't care. Yeah. Uh, they were just incidental. But 
it was a statement. Whether that was an intentional aspect of the statement is certainly something we've talked about a lot. So yeah, it was it was meaningful. Old Nan says, my son is disabled, which I have mentioned prior. Yes, we see it as a bad trope. Allison is using this as a tool with Larius. Normally, it would have been a flash of fire or brush from a strobe. Yeah, they definitely could have written it differently. That's why we said we're not mm-hmm. like, we're not sure. We want to hear from more people that have real perspective on this. So that helps. That's a big one. Like, even one opinion at this point means a lot because we don't have a lot to go with. So... So appreciate far, it, old Nan. We yeah, heard it from that. old Nan speaking uh, old, words of wisdom. Old Nan is always right, so like yeah. we don't actually we don't need any more takes. Yeah. Old Nan is right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, but seriously, that this bears further analysis. And if old Nan is is right, or if her opinion is shared by other folks in this state, then yeah, then we're gonna have to criticize him for this. Lacey Joe 13 says, is Bela a dragonstone with Damon and Rainier? I thought that might affect Rainey's decisions. Yeah, she is a dragonstone. She went with her betrothed. Yeah, and so it makes sense that Rainey's even, maybe she already would have been like, I should go tell Rainier, but even more than before, she would be like, my granddaughters are there. I should go warn my granddaughters. Yes. <laughs> I should go take them home. Yeah, oh yeah. That's oh, uh, yeah or that, yeah. Whatever yeah, needs doing, true. I should be with them. She yeah. needs to be with her family, yeah. I mean, you're right. Like, that's another thing. We said she wants to go see her husband, but yeah, her granddaughters as well. She's not as so excited about her grandkids because she doesn't acknowledge them as hers, which fair. I guess they aren't technically, <laughs> but <laughs> she may have to get with the program if she's going to get more involved in that side of things. <laughs> Eric Thompson says... I believe every prophecy of Helena's has been fulfilled in the episode preceding the prophecy. Eamon's eye, spools of thread, now the beast. Yeah, the beast was the only one she said twice. But yeah, it was yeah. both said before this episode and in this one. So yeah, kind of, yeah. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, if we do take the other two to have already come true, then that is more fodder for the idea that the beast beneath the board's prophecy has now come to fruition if people are debating it i think that that should be a point in it in that favor the fact that the other ones came came to fruition immediately yeah yes yeah, it's worth noting though that those other ones sort of are continuous yeah right like the spools of thread are still being woven the eye is still closed it could be the beast is still under the boards mm, okay yeah 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 Prophecy often has multiple meanings. So, yeah, we'll, we won't close the door on that entirely. Good thought there, Sean. You're right. I would guess that if there's more to come, they would rather give us another prophecy. That might be more fun. But that doesn't mean they can't. They can do both. <laughs> they could have only one closed eye, but many beasts under many boards. <laughs> and many beats and many Battlestar Galacticas and many bears. <laughs> you said beats. I was like, I was picturing a DJ. <laughs> <laughs> you should have been picturing Tommen. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he doesn't like beats. No, he's the last person. Anti-Tommen. <laughs> All right, folks, that is a wrap. Unless either of y'all have any final thoughts, anything we missed, anything from the chat that didn't make it into our little document here. Um, I don't have exactly a final thought, but I have a joke that was in our synopsis video that I never had a chance to share, but I want to share really badly. Uh, Eamon literally studied the blade. If anyone knows that meme, it says, he, he, Eamon says, I studied history and philosophy while my brother was partying, basically. And that, this is a real meme that I'll put on screen as well. Oops. Uh, uh, that I will put on screen here. I studied the blade, as you can <laughs> see. 
right there. <laughs> While you were partying, I studied the blade. That's Amen. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just had to take a beat for that because, like, I was like, I asked Aziz. I was like, was that in Fire and Blood that Amen like? studies while his brother like no no but it's not really spoken I, about <laughs> i really like any additional characterization to these characters well it isn't fire and blood that he does. studied the blade yeah he did not that exact blade. phrase but no but... not the idea that you know Aaron was partying while he was you know being a, a history philosopher king yeah. prodigy you know anyways whatever it's more implied but <laughs> without the the study part more of like yeah, yeah he was definitely training to be a warrior and Aegon was definitely off partying, but yeah, the philosophy stuff is and history stuff wasn't necessarily mentioned in Fire and Blood that I can recall. I'll have to keep I it up. It's like what what history is he studying? Is he good at his high Valyrian? Like what philosophy? Like communist? I, I think they real, put that into know? more bookend with Damon, who we've saw studying history kind yeah. of in his spare time too, especially Targaryen history. But it also makes me <laughs> think of like maybe that's another thing that Aemon had in common with Viserys with his father because Viserys yeah. loved histories. Yeah, point. Sean. It also rivals him more with uh, Jace because I, I, that was like a uh, yeah. comparison contrast that I had made. Where it's like Jace is studying history in Valeria and Amund is studying how to fight. Like well, Amund's oh, also yeah. studying yeah. history and philosophy. You're right. So he's well rounded. That's Eamon's a great point, Sean. Actually, good at the fighting part. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're completely right, though. That like we did bring up, we did highlight how that's the the, the Jace was was preparing for ruling, and yes. Amon is too. Very good point, yeah. I, also, know. I would love to see some sort of Amon Wesley Snipes mashup if he studied the blade. <laughs> <laughs> we did see Amon do some day walking today uh, or yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friends and fellow Westorians, let's hit our outro. Oh, wait, one more thing. Oh, there's one Two more things. Thing. One, Two Aziz things. will be uh, <laughs> in New York on October 27th for the Rise of the Dragon event with George R. R. Martin in New York City, as will a bunch of other podcaster friends of ours. Yeah. So if you're going to be at that event, be sure to hit us up. And uh, That's in like 10 days? Yeah, that's in 10 days. This is the 17th, and that'll be on the, the 27th of October, 2022, because you might be listening to this far in the future. <laughs> the future. Ooh. You might be listening to this and I'm dead. Oh, dark. <laughs> but um, years uh, yeah, you might be listening to this in a hundred years. I don't. I don't know. That'd be weird. But um, the second thing is that I will be at the George R. Martin and Kevin Smith event on November third in New Jersey, along with some other folks. Tickets are still on sale, so hit me up if you want to meet up in New Jersey, which yeah. is like I consider you know, the height of culture and sophistication in the United States. And it's where so. George R. Martin is from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he is a New Jerseyite. Oh, and I'm from Eric Thompson. Haven't heard it in a while. Ashea is the best. Well, I think that House of the Dragon is the best. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are in two separate categories. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we agree. We do oh, agree. Nope. With both of those sentiments, both of y'all are the best. And oh, and as always, we're sharing behind the scenes footage on TikTok at the History of Westeros. <laughs> yeah, Ooh. check it out. Growing that TikTok channel of ours quickly. That's right. So you can always reach out to us, like I said earlier at the beginning of the episode, on Facebook or Discord. You can also send us an email at History of Westeros, or rather Westeros History at Gmail dot com. You can find us on Twitter at Westeros history at Miranese Not and at Dancing Sean. Yeah. That, follow me, but don't spoil me. Yes, yeah. follow me, but don't spoil me. That's right. <laughs> well said, yes. You can also drop us a review. I haven't mentioned that in a while. You can leave us a 
review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you leave reviews, that would be cool. We always get like during TV show season, we always get like people that aren't used to listening to our show and they're like, these guys just talk weird and they have all these weird mannerisms. And so like we get like people that aren't outside. Why of Why do they say well points? They, they give us <laughs> they give us kind of middling reviews. So y'all could come in and, and balance that out for us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes. Thank yeah. you. If you came live and asked questions, a lot of great chat today. A lot of great takes. A lot of unlike insights. normally, you guys normally <laughs> suck. Now you guys are normally awesome. <laughs> Shay is just joshing you. Thanks and to, jilling you too. Yeah, joshing you, jilling you. <laughs> not the other J word. Yeah, and let's not. Yeah. I'm not joking. You. <laughs> you can say it. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Johnning is fine. Uh, <laughs> Jahari sing. <laughs> With five or six fingers. Yes. <laughs> oh, is it better with six fingers? I That's very know. niche. That's a very niche fetish. <laughs> six fingered fetish. Wow. Jahari sing. <laughs> Oh, boy. Definitely time to end this one. All right. Thank you, Michael Klarfeld, for your awesome maps and video intro in our other episodes. Thank you to Bran Winslow for the intro in these coverage episodes, these House of the Dragon coverage episodes. Thank you to our patrons. Thank you to our subscribers on Spotify. Those are our two main ways to become voluntary recurring supporters of History of Westeros. There's also other methods via our website. You can go there, historyofwesteros.com. It'll give you the deal. Saturdays are our spoiler streams. As I said at the beginning of the episode, our guest this last Saturday will be uh, Kim Renfro. We will have coverage after the season is over. We'll do some things here and there, but it won't be every Monday and Saturday. But you can still check out Dire Wolf City tonight. They are getting started right about now. If you are catching this later, you can catch them later as well. Radio Westeros goes on Tuesdays. Definitely check them out as well. And we will hopefully have our part five of our book-only coverage of Dance of the Dragons made in collaboration with them, that being Radio Westeros, sometime this month. All right. I think that's it. Until next time, Valar re-read us and Valar re-watch us. If I can actually play the outro.